I'm Ryan, and I approve this message. Welcome to the Pofua Exchange, everybody. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jen. On Yay. the Pofua Exchange, we are going to branch out into many different areas. Buffy. Firefly, we're doing... Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. We're, I would love to do West Wing. Can we do The Office? You know, one week we may do a commentary on Heroes. Next week we may come back and discuss... Mr. Darcy. Darcy. I said Darcy. You, you said Darcy. Jen just developed a speech impediment. I think we should discuss the uh, effects of Frito from Godfather on modern literature. And we TV. may do that, and I would I would join in in that discussion if I had any idea what the hell Richard was talking about. We may come back and discuss those infomercials that play on the Sci-Fi Channel at three o'clock in the morning with the guy with the bald spot who goes on and on about the damn food processor and the say it and forget it. Yeah, and the blonde woman who's like, "Tell me how it works." Like she's not being paid eighteen thousand dollars to stand there and look like a cat. Can't forget Farscape. <laughs> Uh, Canaveral? We also should let you know that P.S. is a Farscape virgin. Today was her first time. I don't understand boys' fascinations with women's bathrooms. I'm a political science major. He is in hard-ass campaign mode, fighting for every vote. But somewhere around, like, disc three, he seems to have a lot of free time in the middle of the day. I just want to know how naive his family has to be for him to be like, yeah, I've got a paper conference in India this week. Claire almost dies, like, five times every day. Like, she's walking yeah. down the street and someone bumps into her. She has to pull, like, this stick out of her brain. Like, if I were Claire, I would live in a bubble. Ugh, you're crazy, but I'll watch your kid anyway for free. Like, I always do, even though I'm a non-character. Even though the mob is looking for you and your kid, yeah, he can save. I know, yeah, sure. Hey, but Micah can get her free pay-per-view, though. Who are those people behind him? Like, his dad? Like, evidently, his they should be. Those people should be cares. measuring his pee right now. <laughs> I know. that's And look how blue his eyes are. Pilot's very militaristic in this one. He's like, attention! <laughs> I know! <laughs> Later on, he's like, um, good day. Hello. Incoming what? fleet, prepare for Starburst. Yes, now let us watch for the healthcare professional to work his magic. <laughs> he is administering he is first aid. Yeah. Ooh, something shiny. He's like, you need to let your father go. He died ten minutes ago. He has a bow tie. These peacekeepers should probably be, like, doing something while they're having this very hard to hard. No, they're just, I think they're dead. They got hit with the yellow No, he shot the wall. They fell asleep. These guys are Well, it's called ricochet. What use is a freaking helmet when it doesn't cover, look at that. It covers his eyes. It's It's like sunglasses. Yeah, it's like a visor. What, what? It's, just, it's like it, he should just wear sunglasses and like a hard hat. No, later on the show, he doesn't even wear the helmet. Well, what's the purpose of a hard hat in space? He's going to just bump his head on the ceiling of the plane. DVC menus like, and boxes are written in an alien language, <laughs> which is unfortunate. <laughs> Maybe that's why they named the episode Premiere, because if they called it Draw Back, no one would know where to start the show. We dropped these after this DVD. I don't know what comes <laughs> that thing doesn't have a break. What is that? Come on. <laughs> he has a break. <laughs> he popped the clutch. He's from a planet called Earp. This is like Hero trying to poop. Yeah, he's a little constipated. <laughs> he looks so constipated. Going no. where no fandom has gone before. Well done, Jen. I like that. <laughs> Visit us at perfectexchange.com. Um. If you need help spelling that like I probably would, because what the hell kind of word is puff for? It's P-O-U-F-W-A-H. Oh, no, H. All right, let me start again. <laughs> P-O-U-F-A. <laughs> That's not it either. <laughs>
dishing. Oh my god. P O U F W A. Is that right? P O U F W A. Do you say it so people can understand you? The website again for the last time is PuffWarExchange.com. P-O-U-F-W-A Exchange.com. This is Rena's 4th of July PSA. Be very, very, very careful around fireworks because burns are no fun. They're no fun for the patient. They are no fun for the parents. They are no fun for anybody. Do not play around with fireworks. Leave them to, if you guys are underage that are listening to this, leave them to the adults. If you're an adult, don't be an idiot. Go somewhere and watch people shoot off fireworks. Do not, just don't mess around with fireworks. I am begging you, for the love of God, do not mess around with fireworks. And if I see anybody in the Arkansas Children's Hospital burn unit that says they listen to PFW, I will personally kick your butt. I will do it, man. I will go around to every patient in the burn unit and be like, do you listen to PFW? And if they say yes, I'm going to smack them up the head. If they say yes, that's incredible. Previously on Pontific Weekly. We should sing American songs. We should sing the national anthem. Lily, do you have a good singing voice? No. <laughs> Perfect. You'll fit right in with the rest of us. All right. America, America. I don't think that's the national anthem, sweetheart. <laughs> no. You're like Leslie Nielsen trying to sing I'm... the national anthem. <laughs> I can't remember the chorus. America, what is the chorus? Oh, I'm free. What? Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light. Yeah, I know that so part. Probably we hail. Something, at the twilight's last at the twilight's last last gleaming gleaming <laughs> whose broad stripes and bright and stars, stars through the perilous fight 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 wait what is a fight it's not the night you can't have a perilous night we're stuck in the gathering. Please streaming. On the rock, on the rock, it's red, blue. Oh, Two, one, click. Okay. Three. Wait, hold on. Wait. Okay. Three. Are we going? Yes. Three. Two. One. Click. Click. 
and welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Lady Chi. And I'm Jen's mom. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. We would never ever say Snape scathes. We would say Snape said scathingly. 640,000 years ago, that third of America blew up. Boys and girls, <laughs> there's a thing called erectile dysfunction. Oh my god. Yeah, but there's also a thing called Petrificus Totalis. So Perfect right. Weekly, not only entertaining, but educational as well. <laughs> do you own a pig? No, but I do have a goat. Really? We don't have a lawnmower. What's the goat's name? Bernard. Oh my god, I'm not going to lie. I have to- I have no idea what's going on. Somebody explain to me what just happened. Have you been here the whole time? I've been here the whole time, but I can't remember what was just said. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Poor Bernard was struck and killed by a bolt of lightning. <laughs> Okay, you guys are the ones who obviously laugh during people's funerals. I wore a really big hat. And I run after my car. <laughs> I've just finished taking a test on what's your seduction style. I have got to take that test. I don't know what that noise was that came out of Gambin's mouth. But I think it caused some women in the audience to become infertile. Oh, I love the social intercourse so married. It gets me so excited for the guy this is like the Manhattan Project. Superman is Moses. Honestly, don't you people read? Okay. Oh, the two Superman is not Moses. Moses is dependent on Aaron. See, Batman depends on Robin. If you're going to be Moses the guy that was or lost like in the Moses. desert for like 40 years? That just okay. goes by our confidence in crime-fighting ability. There's like auditoriums with movies that you can go in and sit and watch. Not while on the toilet. There's no way we have Wank. We don't care enough about the fans of to have Wank. Let's take a this guy. You guys are the most dysfunctional people. <laughs> these are really stupid people. Like, I have a lot to learn from these people. And now, uh, Potterfic Weekly. Okay, that's pretty fabulous. <laughs> Glad to know that you made it in there in some capacity. Yeah. Even if it wasn't Talking Bernard. about <clears throat> Bernard and my big hat. Well, the big hat, I, I thought, was my really favorite part. really big hat. <laughs> Is that not the funniest thing? People go, that. You make fun of people who go to funerals, and I wore a really big hat. Well, and my mom heard it. Oh, the part about, you know... She wasn't too excited about the uh, erectile dysfunctional part. (laughs) (laughs) I really can't help her. I went, Mom, I'm married. I'm an adult. Deal. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen one before. Live with it. Rena, why are we not friends? I'm not friends with Rena either. I don't know why that is. Rena, we're not friends. Are we friends? We are friends. No, we're not. She has a she has this a gray bubble, and I have a green one. Oh, I have Rena, a gray bubble for her too. We're not friends. How do I make you my friend? You have to add her to contacts. Is you somebody talking to me? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, trying I'm sorry. To I had no idea. My, how do I do it? I you don't know to, how okay, to, you go and you on her thing. There's a menu, and then you just click add contacts, add as a contact or whatever. Okay, that doesn't that does not come up on my thing. I just enjoy the fact that I leave Jen in charge when I'm out of town. How do I add people as my friend? <laughs> I can't do. Okay, wait. Can so that it comes blue, so that there's blue over it, and then there will be a green thing, and then a blue thing. And then a, this is like a really bad fic I read once. Every oh. time I move mouse, the blue changes to someone else's name. Oh. Well, hover it over Rena's thing. <laughs> <laughs> Rena, you try to make me a friend, and, and maybe that will go, it will do it both ways. This is bugging me. I need a green dot by your name. Hey, you were in the common room today. Hey, Anna. we're friends now. <laughs> and I don't know why. But that's, 
table, and I need a bobby pin, and I don't have one, and so my bangs are like in my face, and uh, uh, like I'm no, I was like okay. trying to fix my head, and then I'm looking, and she says something. better i don't know who that is i don't know who that was but it sounded like a black hawk just it's came through it's either like, been out or ryan yeah ah! that like Rena. maybe she lives above one of those helicopter landing pad things <laughs> well hang up on her and call her again let's get this going no i'm here sorry i was trying to plug this i was like hanging behind my bed i was afraid if i talked i'd tip <laughs> Okay, I didn't think when I bought a new bedroom set that it would be inconvenient for podcasting. This is annoying. Hold on. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Blackhawk is back. Seriously? Oh, my God. Rana, repeat after me. Take me to your leader. <laughs> okay, Rana, I'm going to hang up on you and put you back. Is that what you did last time? You just kept hanging up until it worked? I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, remember when you did the last episode, everyone was saying there was a lot of feedback, and you said, I remember listening to it, you said, hold on, let me try something, and I'm, I know it, whatever, either they kept hanging up on you and putting you back in, but it got better. Um, honestly, I didn't ever do anything. I just, I just would put it on mute for a little while, and come back. Because <laughs> you're like, hold on, hold it. on, try it now, is it better now? And you're just sitting there. How about yeah, that? basically, because uh, because honestly, I, I because I can't hear anything, so I can't tell if anything's going on. So I just kept putting it on mute. Right. And let me, let me. I'm gonna hang up on you. Oh, hang on, hang on. Let me try something real fast. She's not trying anything. She's just sitting there drinking <laughs> her drink, saying, "Okay, how about now? Is now better?" All right, hang on. Let me hang up on you. I'm gonna try putting you back in one more time. But, uh, I can't hear you because I'm not talking. No, oh. it's, no it's like it's like. You literally, Rena, you sound like you're broadcasting from Chopper 5 over the Big Hacks. <laughs> That's exciting. Well, thanks, Over, Roger. Come on. Bird dog, bird dog, let's take a wink. Is that any better? You sound like you're <laughs> Julian's driver. Seriously, is that better? Yeah, this is better. We can, we can hear our echo in the background. <laughs> it's like over, 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 over. It's over. over. <laughs> oh, I know what it is that I changed last time. <sighs> is that better? Uh, you're still on, like... You sound like I know, I'm fixing. I'm fixing that. Oh, don't ask me if it's better and then yell at me. Come on. I'm not yelling. Okay, is that better? Yes. Oh, Rena, come here. Rena, come here. Hug. <laughs> Rena, we've missed you. you. Want to know what it is? What is it's, it for next? We don't have air conditioning in the house we're living in right now, and so I had an oscillating fan pointing at me. <laughs> <laughs> Which sucks. Is so it, it wasn't a helicopter per se. <laughs> it was a but fan. It, it was like a yes. Jen, just to stop, you sound really scratchy. <laughs> Damn it, Ryan! <laughs> I just am taking it on you because I don't know what is wrong. I haven't done. Wait, okay, let me try this. Do I sound better now? Well, you haven't really said much. 
Okay, do I sound better now than I'm talking right now? Now You sound very nice. Okay, so is this better at all, or is this worse? Well, you you sound fine. A or B? (laughs) Every time you ask me how you sound, you disappear. Like you're at the ophthalmologist's office. (laughs) I know, well, you have to remember that my sound quality on this is like surround sound from NASA. And I'm trying to remember what... It sucks that my computer rocks so much. Okay. Um, let's just I'm sure see. it's fine. I'm sure it's, let's just leave it. It's not if I'm screwed. I don't want to sound like we're in a ceiling fan. <laughs> it wasn't a ceiling fan. It was an, an oscillating, oscillating fan. fan I don't even know what that means, but right, I guess Jen, it goes, what? Well, just, Jen, we'll just work with it. It's going to be great. Okay, wait, I found my sound thingy. It's important to me. Okay, wait. Maybe it's this. Is it better now? No. But I put the loudness equalization on. <laughs> Virtual surround or bass management. Bass, so that's bass. <laughs> Your bass management. <laughs> <laughs> James and I are wanting to buy a boat, and I've been staring at bass. I'm sorry. It's never. Do you have Are a you going to get one of the glitter finish? <laughs> I think you'd really be redneck. Do you have, like, a body of water? <laughs> I, I live, like, on a lake. How the hell do I know you live on a lake? <laughs> <laughs> Rinna is just so nonchalant about being back. She was here last week. She's like, oh, look, it's Perfect Weekly. I'm Rinna. I'm a big deal. Nothing's, nothing has changed. They're still crazy. <laughs> I leave for 25 episodes. I come back. They're nuts. I'm swallowing my 14,000 pills. Hold on. <laughs> well, you're like an example of what happens when people with government funding podcast. I know. And I have, like, my leg is propped up here. Like, oh, it's hilarious. Between our health. And and, and and Rena's house and everything. Like, it just kills me. I'm Jen! <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I laugh so hard I have to pee. <laughs> In the time that oh, Jen has been gone... Thousands of gay people have married in California. I saw that. I saw that they repealed the marriage ban in California. <laughs> Massachusetts is trying to repeal the income tax, which is probably good unless you work for the state. Oh, no. Arkansas. The thing Arkansas had to repeal mm-hmm. was they passed this. <laughs> because Arkansas senators apparently have the IQ of, like, sawdust. <laughs> and they basically approved this law that said as long as a girl was pregnant, she could get married at any age. <laughs> What? So if your 12-year-old got knocked up, she could get married. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, West Virginia, and- West Virginia passed a law a few years ago that apparently nobody read. 
or someone put a line in it and there was a typo and they passed it like 80 to 20 and the governor signed it and they're like, yay, look, a new law. And then someone read it and what the law said was nobody has to work on Sunday. <laughs> so like all of the supermarkets closed, like all of like the sh- like nothing was open on Sunday and the economy tanked and they had to call like an emergency session of the legislature to take the line out of the law. It was just like a stupid thing. Oh, they no. couldn't like you mean they couldn't work on No one can legally be required to work on a Sunday, so like grocery stores closed. Oh well that wouldn't be so bad. It would be hospitals and stuff that I would be worried about. Yeah. I think that people should have to go without like convenience stores and, and supermarkets like every once in a while. Because then you would appreciate the people that have to work there. <laughs> like, I just remember, oh my god, okay, you would stay open, like, really retardedly late on Christmas Eve. Like, mm-hmm. 6 o'clock in the evening or whatever. Like, you were, like we were open 24 hours, but, like, on Christmas Eve, we closed down at 6 o'clock in the evening. And you would always have, and like, infailably, you know, you'd become someone cubby through buying $250 worth of groceries. And they would, like, as soon as they, they would hand you their check, and they'd go, and I'm sorry you have to work on Christmas Eve. And I was like, if you were really sorry, you wouldn't be coming here, because if it wasn't for people like you, we wouldn't be open. Go up <laughs> and have a lovely holiday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I worked at this craft store that's called Garden Ridge. And they do this stupid thing four times a year called the Shopathon, where basically they open up at 6 a.m. on a Thursday, and they don't close again until midnight on Sunday. So they stay open for like 96 consecutive hours. They invariably do this over Thanksgiving weekend every year, as well as three other weekends during the course of the year. And I got stuck working overnights one time. Um, mm-hmm. During Shopathon, and it's like you know what, the only people who come in between like midnight and six a.m. are Drunk. the meth heads who are yeah. so tweaking on anything that they can get their hands on that 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 they want to come in and like count the individual threads in the throw pillows. And they buy you know? all your model glue. Like, like- <laughs> you know, it's like seriously, I seriously, seriously doubt anyone is going to have like a wicker emergency at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning and just have to come to a craft store it's, you know that's ridiculous it's like holy shit it's two o'clock in the morning and i cannot live my life if i don't have a four-foot replica of a medieval knight <laughs> yes. right now uh, i have had that thought but like not while i was sober so <laughs> I, exactly and those are the kind of people that we would have coming in the store like they had to hire security guards to come in <laughs> And protect us from these people. <laughs> used to, oh my god, we used to have this security guard at Price Chopper. His name was Tony. He was like six foot six, probably weighed three hundred and fifty pounds, big black guy. And uh, not that being black makes him intimidating; it just means that he looked like Shaq. So he's like, you know, like he would be like walking around, and like he would be really intimidating unless you knew him. And then like he was just a really big teddy bear at heart. But um, anyway, he found out I was Catholic one day, and he came with pamphlets it gave me pamphlets about like how catholicism was evil (laughs) and i looked at him and i was like thanks i think for caring about my favorite thing when my aunt died her i'm not even gonna say it was her boyfriend it was just her male friend was Mm -hmm. ultra 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 catholic and danielle is a unitarian which oh god the most liberal person ever and you know danielle danielle will hit you if she if 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 you piss her off at the wake he comes over and asks her what her views on abortion are at the wake. And she's oh like, well, I'm pro-choice. And then he starts 
rambling off about, you know, Bible verses. And he's like, well, what would you have done if your mother was pro-choice? And she's like, she is. She chose to have me. And you can tell Danielle's two seconds away from punching him and throwing him in the casket. So I walk over and I know I have to say something to get him off the topic. I'm like, so I grab him by the shoulder. I'm like, Joe, I got to talk to you for a second. I just read this this new book. It's called The Da Vinci Code. Have you read this thing? (laughs) This thing is a page turner. I'm going to send you one. (laughs) He's like, his eyes are like bugging (laughs) I have a great aunt that joined a cult in the uh, 1980s, 1970s. It was really big on campus. It's called uh, the Maranatha cult. Uh She is crazy. Like, she's like my favorite relative in that I only get to see her like once every three years so her craziness doesn't really get to touch me away you know yeah she's fun 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 let me tell you because like the brainwashing never goes away like yeah because they shut the they shut the cult down but like it wasn't like the members fled and you know whatever it's just that the leader died and it like exploded into like a hundred different you know so there was wank sex. there was wank there was wank yeah right. she's She's fun. She um she thinks that my name is Karen because it's my mom's name, awesome. and um the I was thirteen last time I saw her and uh, I was well I was sitting across from my grandma or whatever and having a conversation with her and she came up and she slapped me on the butt and she's like, "Hey Karen, how's it going?" and it's like, "Hi, great aunt Phyllis." <laughs> How are you? <laughs> exactly. I just let her think that I was her my mom. Awesome. It's not worth it. I had to answer a bunch of questions about cattle farming the last time I was on a podcast. Mike, yeah. didn't let them start the podcast until you asked her about cattle. Well, yeah. There's cattle in Arkansas. Actually, yes, there is. There's quite a bit of cattle in Arkansas, and and I, I believe it all it all stemmed from oh, during the tornadoes. We cow. had a lot of people who. Uh, lost cattle in the tornado, like their cows were sucked up by the tornado. And so for like weeks afterwards, you'd be driving by like flatbed trucks full of dead cows. But, but I personally do not have a cattle farm, but we do have a rabbit farm. You have a rabbit farm? (laughs) Yeah, I've heard of those. My neighbors had one. I was listening to Rabbits are evil little things, man. Yes. Yes, they are. They are mean sons of bitches. They are. You stay away from those things. No, and, I know. I don't like rabbits. In, in captivity, a male buck rabbit can get up to 60 pounds. Yeah. And they have those red satanic eyes. Yes. And ugh. Evil. They make the baby Jesus cry. I missed that phrase. <laughs> oh, baby Jesus. Are you kidding? What? Am I what? Are you kidding? Am I eating? <laughs> I don't even want to say what I thought she said. <laughs> well, Wait, what did you think I, had I said? A, I had a box of Fruit Loops by my chair. Oh, oh I so do that. I You're thought the... you asked if she was peeing. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Let me do that. The, well, the thing was, I couldn't tell she was eating. All I could hear was the box of Fruit Loops <laughs> Well, a bag of Fruit Loops because I'm in college and I can't afford the real thing. I have tutti fruities <laughs> next to me, oh, and I I know, but I picked it up and it like my computer is a mess already, and I accidentally tipped it over. Like the wind caught it just right. The wind. I'm in my apartment. The fan, the breeze from the fan caught it just right, and it tipped over. And there's like sugar all over my keyboard now, and it's on my hands and in my 
face and in my nose, and I'm like, <laughs> like trying to get it all off, and it won't go away. I love when she tries to eat on the podcast because you hear her like her oven vent on when she's making pasta. She has like the loudest snacks. It's hilarious. Jen, I have to tell you. Okay, so my roommate's cat had kittens, and she promised me one. It's all black, and she has really bright blue eyes. So um, I named, well, my sister and I named her Ebony. And um, yeah, she has this other cat that had kittens that had an all white one, and my sister fell in love with her. So we named her Ivory. So we have two cats now named Ebony and Ivory. Isn't that cute? Oh, that is so piano cute. I love it. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Y'all have musical cats. (laughs) I was browsing like I was just browsing on I think I don't even remember where I was looking but I came across this story that it basically um, Harry had a couple of butt sex babies and there was this scene that was described and it was supposed to be this like really super touching emotional scene of Harry breastfeeding his butt sex babies and I was just like wait a minute you have got to be kidding me (laughs) are you serious Show me the story. What threw it over the top for you? Was it the breastfeeding or was it the fact that... What made this one not worth reading? Like, I was reading the, the, you know, the butt sex babies and I was enjoying it. Then when they told me he was breastfeeding, I lost No, no. The whole idea of butt sex babies, I think that's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. But, but, I was, it was more of a, and there was other elements, like, Harry was married to a muggle man who thought that the babies were an abomination but even though he thought the babies were an abomination he came back for more butt sex (laughs) and so he's he's rescued from this horrible situation by a new super touchy-feely professor snape who has started taking yoga classes and is into like He's wearing like Hillary's, like you know, peacock yellow pants. <laughs> yeah, seriously, that's what I mean. The whole—it was one of those train wreck fix that you just had to keep reading because it was so god awful. <laughs> okay, so I can tell you another really funny story about something that happened to me today. We went—we we went apartment hunting today because we need to. My classes start in Little Rock on May twenty-eighth, and so we mm-hmm. were kind of cutting it down to the wire finding a place to live and so we started um we couldn't find anything in apartments and the stuff in the paper was usually crap so we started looking on craigslist and we found a couple of places listed and we're like well we're going to go see these two places and basically we have to make a decision today so it'll be either one of these two places so we go to the first one and uh we walk up to it and it's like a townhouse and i said you know it looks like there was probably a storm door there once that got ripped off and, you know, obviously there have been a lot of storms in our area. So I was like, oh, that's not a big deal. And then I looked at the doorknob and the, the doorknob had dents in it. Oh, my gosh. From the and we go inside. No, we went inside and the entire internal door frame had been ripped off and there were cracks in the wall. And the banister at the staircase right across from the door was missing. And we asked the neighbors what had happened. And apparently it was a crack house and the police had busted in the door. <laughs> Oh my Can I just tell you, I'm selling a bedroom set on Craigslist, and I feel your pain. <laughs> but but we did find our the apartment we're going to live in. After that, it was the other one that we were going to look at. So <laughs> so not the cry the crack house one. Not the, the crack house. How no. was the other one? Was the other one nice? 
it's lovely. It is absolutely lovely. It is a little, it's like a two bedroom apartment and it's across the street from the medical school. So, I mean, I literally. Where are you going? I, can, I go to the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. That is such, that's like the top nursing school in the set, in the set. Like that is a great it is. It is. All they have an excellent program. I miss yeah. Arkansas so badly. Aren't you a nurse already, Renata? No, I'm I'm in respiratory therapy school. See, she's yeah. going to make big Yeah. You laugh about the time she almost lived in the crack. Okay, similar. everyone oh, to the Skype shoot. conference. Hang on, I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. Did what? Interesting Where thing. Where did she go? It, uh, she, uh, it sounded like she had to get in the, in the tornado shelter. I'm sure she's fine. <laughs> I think, like, Rena went shopping. <laughs> I don't know. I'm Step sorry, I'm still on mute. Oh, hi, Mia. Are you still here? Did she go shopping? No, um, <laughs> no, I didn't. I We have this little old lady who lives next door to us, and I was looking out the window, mm-hmm. and she was walking out to her car, and she fell. Oh, really? No! I went outside to see if I could help her. You sure, right? Yeah, she's fine. That was a very good Samaritanism. Well, that is also oh like goodness. a nurse. I have so. to tell you the story. Okay. <laughs> so I work at a nursing home, right? Mm-hmm. And the other day, um, there's this little old woman named Alma. She's my favorite. She's crazy. Oh, I have a friend named Alma. Yeah. And um, the thing about Alma <laughs> is she can't, she, she can't walk without her walker. But she likes to think that she can. <laughs> so... <laughs> you kind of have to she's like, like abroad. she's like clinging to the walls. Like she looks like she's on ice skates when she's walking. She kind of like just clings to whatever happens to be around until somebody notices her and is like, Alma, do you want your walker? And she'll be like, yeah. And then you have to go find her walker wherever she's stashed it and give it to her. And she'll walk with it for like five minutes and then she'll leave it somewhere and try and walk again. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, she's funny. Anyway, um, the other day I'm cleaning up supper and, is standing in her nightdress in tennis shoes. And that's weird for Alma. In her in her doorway. And I was like, Hi sweetie, what are you doing? And she goes she goes, They tried to get me to go to bed. And it's like seven o'clock. And I was like, Well sweetie, if you don't want to go to bed, you can stay up. And she's like she goes no, they don't want me around here anymore. And I said, Alma, that is not true. And she looks over at me and she goes, I look like a tramp. And she's wearing this, like, nightdress that is no, by no means trampy, but it, like, you know, it's, it's short-sleeved and it's little, like, flowery, you know. And she's just, she's just hilarious. And she's like, somebody needs to put pants on me. So the rest of the night, she's walking around and like. <laughs> that means you, <laughs> The rest of the night, she's, like, walking around in her nightdress and khaki pants with tennis shoes on, clinging to the wall. And I was like, oh, Alma. <laughs> you were too cute for words. Oh, can I just, can I just tell you? I love Joe Biden. Show of hands who knows who Joe Biden is. I can't, I'm not raising my hand. I have no idea. Gee, do you know who Joe Biden is? No, no okay. idea. Sorry. Joe Biden is a Democratic senator, and he's one. He's like, do you ever have like that really loud mouth uncle who has an opinion on everything? Yeah, that's my no, uncle James. Yeah, he's he's a senator, and he and he <laughs> and he is like he's actually like I 
I think, did I vote for him? For, I think I voted for him for president. I just really love this guy. He ran. And today Bush came out and called Barack Obama a, a terrorist appeaser. And they asked Joe Biden what he thought. He's like, bullshit! And it was on the news. <laughs> No, you're not supposed to. Because I went to CNN today, and it says Biden. That's it says Biden colon. That's just bullshit. And then like five minutes later, I went back and they did like the star star over shit. But it's just like he's like bullshit. And then today he's like, I'm sorry, I swore, but that's such malarkey. So, you could tell he was so pissed. He was like grabbing the camera and shaking it. It was so. I loved it. I loved it. It was so funny. Oh my I goodness. I really like how Ryan gets into politics. It amuses me so much because <laughs> he's so in he's so enthusiastic. And I never know who these people even are. Well, I just get so annoyed with like no, like like today the Republicans are on TV trying to say, well, he he Obama isn't no, I don't like Obama. Let me let me start there. I do not like Obama. But they're like he's he, they're like he's Neville Chamberlain. He's Neville Ch- and what Finally, Chris. Who's Ma- that? Well, Chris Matthews on MSNBC said, "Answer oh my question." God. Chris Matthews. No, you know what he said? Do you know what he said? The guy, what? it's a congressman, GOP congressman, kept calling him Neville Chamberlain. He's like, "I have a question for you, Congressman. Who is Neville Chamberlain?" He didn't know. He was reading Are it from a talking me? point. He could not. You no, know, he said, "Who is Neville Chamberlain, and what did he do in 1938 that you're complaining about?" Oh, he's, he's he was the Prime Minister of Britain in 1938, and what did and he do? He, uh. The reason they're calling Barack Obama Neville Chamberlain is mm-hmm. didn't he try to negotiate peace with the Germans or something yes, stupid like that? He did. Yeah. But the guy yeah. didn't the See, congressman Oh my god, she just passed AP history. <laughs> Today I was teaching school and I sound so southern right now, but I, I my day calls for it. I <laughs> I had to help a student write the all the state abbreviations. Yeah. You know, like X's is T X. You know it's, it's, yeah. Okay, yeah, it's one of those things that you don't realize you don't know all of them until you sit down and don't know them all. Yeah. But anyway, I was sitting there, and I was like, okay, K- Kentucky, that's got to be K-Y. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously. But then I get got into the M's, Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, and I was like, well, crap, how, which one of these am I? <laughs> and so I had to look it up. Like, I to, I'm helping this student, and I'm like, I don't, it's like a fifth grader. And I'm like, um... Oh. That's so embarrassing. God gave us Google. I know. Isn't that horribly embarrassing? And all the kids were laughing, and I was like, shut up. (laughs) I don't use it. I don't use it unless I need it, and then I pull it up on the computer. I know. I'm like, I don't ever really bother with learning much about anything unless I go there. And some of those states, I haven't been, like, Connecticut. I know. I thought, and see, I thought Alaska was A-L. It's not. It's AK. I have been watching Doctor Who all day. <laughs> Hold on. You have no idea. <laughs> she sounds like a. Ma- what are they? The Malix or something? What are they from Doctor Who? The Daleks. Daleks. The Daleks. I have been practicing my British accent because of this Doctor Who thing. I hate to tell you this, but there's mm-hmm. Doctor Who audio dramas available as well. I know, and also books that I'm being sent. You no, know, if you go because to, I, like this is the great thing about being a PFW host. Like all you have to do is casually mention on your live journal that you're like becoming obsessed with something, mm-hmm. and then like 15 million people tackle pounce you, and they're like, like here are all these links with all this great stuff. Have so like, been, have you been to DarkerProjects.com? Uh, no, not yet. No. Go to DarkerProjects.com. The dark- DarkerProjects. 
Dun, dun, dun. That sounds good. Like the only problem with audio dramas and audiobooks and stuff like that is that I am such a like I'm a multitasker. Like I can't just do one thing at one time. It drives me insane. So I would have to be doing that and something else, and it's really hard for me to focus on that and do something else. Give like I couldn't listen to that and they, write a story. Because they have a lot. Seriously, Jen. Uh, Renee, whatever the hell your name is, she, the only other person she. I haven't named yet. Go to their website now, even if you don't download it. I want you to see what happens when you go there. Okay, so darkerprojects.com. Dot com. Listen to our current episodes. It just says, hello, welcome to blah, blah, blah. Oh, it is. Oh, they have it like on a rotating thing. Sometimes they have like freaky ones up. Doctor Who, The Legend of Gallifrey. Ooh, I so need to send this to my friend. She would be into this. Click to do- go on the side, um, Doctor I- Who on the right-hand side. Doctor Who. They've done like, I think, three seasons of Doctor Who stuff. Oh, really? Sorry, that's the theme song for Doctor Who. Ooh, I love this. I love this muchly. This is awesome. I love it muchly. I do love it muchly. New teeth. That's weird. I've been practicing that one, and also, I looked into the TARDIS, and the TARDIS looked into me. Have you talked to Amy? Yeah, Amy and I have been chatting like crazy. Amy's obsessed. She's such a huge, like, crazy Dr. Rose shipper, and so am I, so we've (laughs) just been, like, squeeing all the time over, like, because Rose is coming back this season. Sort of. I'm just, I'm just sad because the, I know at the end of this they're gonna make it like tragically, like they made it really impossible at the end of series two, as they say in Britain instead of season two, they say series two. Oh God, they she's British. For um, Doctor and they made it possible for Doctor and Rose to be back together, and they're bringing her back in season four. And I think the reason they're bringing her back in season four is to break our hearts again. Like I really don't think oh. that there's gonna be a good resolution to the situation. And whenever you get some time, you have to watch Doctor Who. Just one episode. Oh, God, I remember what happened the last time we had Jenny and Renner in the same episode trying to start it, so let's just go now. Renner! <laughs> and Renner. welcome back to Butterfick Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Jean. And I'm Renna. <laughs> Renna's like, this is Renna sounds so happy to be here. She's like, and I'm Renna. <laughs> I'm still uh, having to deal with the whole broken tailbone thing. How are you feeling, Renna? So. Hold on, Rinna, I'm, are you I'm, on Viking at the moment? Can you sit? What do you do with a broken tailbone? You, you just have to lay Not much. Everyone? You get a little donut. <laughs> oh, you have donut seat. Oh, my You get God. a little ass donut. And, yeah, they usually give them out to people with either broken tailbones or, like, hemorrhoids. And I know you get one, like, if you have a baby, you get one when you go home from the hospital. Really? I didn't know that. Really? I'm sorry. I yeah. just, the, the phrase ass donut somehow has to be worked into the title of this episode. Right. We talked about butt sex for 20 to 45 minutes. You people wonder why this episode's short. It was because of the butt sex prequel that we had before we did the prequel. It can't help. Oh, God. And welcome, <laughs> and welcome back to Butterfick Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Lady Chi. Taylor. <laughs> Where's Brenna? Does everybody know what time it is? Oh, shit! <laughs> I'm, and, I'm watching Brenna's thing for the No, I had to sneeze, and so I put my thing on mute so that it, I didn't sneeze and everybody's here. The funniest of a <laughs> Yeah. 
shit. And he's fighting them all with all you. Them and they're... I'm picturing Rina and her ass stone and beating them off. I am attempting to retain some shred of dignity here. Okay. Yeah. So you refer me not to ask you about the ass stone. No, that's not the part that bothers me. It's the part that you think I would be as undignified as to beat off wild animals with it. <laughs> No. no, I thought you were sitting in it with a no. stick in your hand. Oh. I had all my colon problems. Ryan was the one laughing, going, uh, so that means you haven't had a poop in how long? That's not what I said. I was laughing at you because you didn't know you had a colon. <laughs> I thought just boys did. I it's a prostate. That's what I was thinking of. Jen coming home. Shut up. Jen calls me. They think I have prostate <laughs> cancer. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start the damn podcast. All right. Hey, that's that always creeps me out in like slash picks when they start mentioning the like prostate. That's usually when I start like hitting the back button. Like, ah, that was too much information. Back. <laughs> I know, that is just too weird. I'm not even sure I could ever go there. Very weird. <laughs> All right, on that note, and welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. I've already said I'm doing like four times. Oh, my God. Can we get through the damn thing? Need I remind you, Ryan, of how many times it took for us to record the disclaimer on our first episode? <laughs> Well, it was just me and you, and then it was, like, Kim, the never-talking woman. I love how we found, like, a mime to be the third host. That was, that was you know what that was? That was hey. just bad staff work on, like... You found her. I know. Remember the first episode we did when she didn't have her mic yet, so she would type to us in the conversation? Like, yes, that, I that, remember that. That was a sign of things to come from her, like, one and only appearance on the show. Let's start the podcast. Okay. Let's do that. All right. Everyone ready? Ready and willing. Ordinarily, I would turn to Lady Chi now and ask her how her toilet is, but I thought I would we try something different this week. Jen, how's your toilet? I broke the toilet, I guess. <laughs> well, our flesh doesn't flush. It flushes, and then it just, like, it's like the water simmers. It's like... <laughs> For like mm-hmm. and forever until ever. So I like took off the top because obviously I am not the toilet master by how to fix it or anything. So I just picked up like the orange thing and it flushed it in and I went, oh, I fixed it. And then it did the simmer thing again. And I was like, well, not good. So, okay. So then I called my dad and I was like, dad, the toilet is sing. And how do, you know, so he was like, well, pick up the black thing. I'm like, the black thing. He's like, the, the, Oh, I can't remember what word to use now. Some technical toilet word. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so I went and so I pulled the, up the plug and set whatever, and it stopped. So I waited for like 20 minutes, like freaking out, like waiting for it to flood and think. I was like, I was like gathering up toilet paper rolls, like to put under it. I was like, I don't know what to do, and I don't even know how to turn the water off to it because I'm at the studio and the water runs weirdly here. And I was envisioning like my uncle, because we have like these tubes here. And I remember my uncle used to put, he used to suck on one end of of, of, a, of like a really long, it's not a straw, but it's like a, you know, like a white, like a, I don't know. It's like a really thin water hose. Okay. Imagine a really thin water hose and he would suck on it on one end and on oil and oil would come out, and then he could put it in his gas can or whatever. And it was siphoning? <laughs> yeah, like 
looking at it. And so, so, I, so I was thinking, oh, my God, if it overflows, maybe I could find the thing and suck on it to where the water would not overflow. You're but go into Suck on your toilet? <laughs> well, you don't actually touch any of the liquid to your mouth. Like, you just sucks so far. And you, then I was, like, you would I was suck the wrong way and drink overflowing toilet water. What? No, I wasn't. I was trying to put it in the sink. <laughs> it made perfect sense in my freak out. Shut up. <laughs> I have to tell you this. Danielle found a job. Yes. Congratulations. It, it is exactly what she wants to do. It's a half a mile from our house. It's the best pay oh, she could possibly get. It's perfect in every conceivable way. The only downside is she has to work from 9 o'clock at night to 4.30 in the morning. Ooh. You're going to see her as much as I see James. Exactly. So so you and I will be like husband and wife again. I know. We're, 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 I, hate to say, I hate to say it, Chan, but we're all we've got. So. <laughs> we're all we've got. Oh. That's, you know, I'm happy, though. It'll give us a lot of time to do a lot of episodes. <laughs> we will. Welcome back to the Bubble Exchange, everyone. Episode number 126. We're now going live. <laughs> you do like the, this is what happens to married couples. Oh, we have to? We have to. Well, Danielle keeps keeps looking at me. Do you hate me? I'm like, yes, dear. I hate you because you're going to work nights. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> I'm so happy for her, though, because she really... She's wanted. really excited. She's really yeah, excited. I'm so excited. And we have bedroom furniture. Yay! We have heard so much about this bedroom furniture. You're going to have to send a video, you realize. I, well, I, I can show you a picture of it. I don't want to see a picture. Well, I, I want to see a video. <laughs> Why not? We can get you video and like have y'all waving and be cute and send it to me. Fine. I'll do that. Thank you. Uh, what other stories <laughs> do we have? Uh, Chi, you got anything this week? Um, well, like, here's a fun story. Uh, Kansas State University thinks I'm enrolled in 18 hours and I'm only enrolled in three. That's a fun story. So I'm going to flunk out of college. Not really. I'm going to go take care of it tomorrow and, like, help them to fix it. Yeah, I have to pay for all the hours I was enrolled in. 18 hours? Oh, suck. (laughs) Yeah. Oops. So, um, I'm not very happy right now. Those goats, man. (laughs) So, it's like, well, I dropped these classes online, like, ages and ages and ages ago. And uh, for some reason, it never, like, went through. I don't know. So now I have to go. I trek over to the enrollment office and explain that I'm not insane and I'm not on drugs. I just have, like, a mental health issue. So I can't take as many hours as I enrolled in. And I would really just like not to fail out of college, please, and thank you, and see uh, if I can fix it. But uh, anyway. You don't have to pay if, if it's for medical leave. Like, they can re- they have to refund your money. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, it's not. It. No, it's not. No. 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 Well, well, they, they no, did that for my roommate to. because she got cancer. Well, not really cancer, but close enough to cancer to call it cancer. Um, she was on chemo and pregnisone and Loratab and stuff like that. And they, they did retroactively withdraw her and give her all of her money. But I just have anxiety and depression, not cancer. So they'll probably not do that for me. So, but that's kind of what's going on in my life. I'm kind of stressed out and worried and stuff. <laughs> All I can suggest, Chi, tell them about your sink. It may help. Oh my god. Seriously, the plumbing in this apartment <laughs> drives me insane. <laughs> I think I'll go in and I'll bring a Potter Fig Weekly and I'll explain about, you know, Matt the maintenance guy and Pedro and Play Bob the scathed the clip. The scathed clip. That may, that, may that may help you. I think so too, yeah. All right. So, Jen, all I can say is you sent me a leather this week. 
Would you like I to did, please? You, you didn't reply. I couldn't reply. I couldn't read that. His reply was, "I'm laughing so hard." And then we discuss politics some more or something. I didn't go to politics. All right. Now, very briefly, <laughs> sum up your week for, for, for the listeners. Can you sum up my week? Because honestly, right, I can't even sum up the first thing okay, to talk about. We're going to sum up Jen's week for you very briefly because we're desperate to get to the Dangerverse universe this week. Uh, Jen's week. Jen went to the doctor's. She got really good news. Jen was happy. Oh, yes. She skipped from the doctor's office. Jen fell down. Jen hurt herself. Jen hobbled back into the doctor's office. Jen got <laughs> oh, stitches. No. Jen had, had to, to go to Walmart to pick up her medicine now that Jen was on medication because Jen fell down and hurt herself. Jen could not walk through Walmart, so Jen got on the Mark cart. Jen knocked everything in Walmart <laughs> over. Jen eventually <laughs> went home. Jen went into the pool with her husband. Jen's husband did not know about bats. A bat hit Jen's husband. Jen's husband yelled <laughs> a lot. Uh, Jen went to plug in an angel nightlight that Jen has because Jen is afraid of the dark. Jen at that point realized that every electrical outlet in her house is upside down because the angel would not fit in unless she plugged it in upside down, at which point she felt that it was both a satanic nightlight and was blasphemous. (laughs) Jen called an electrician. Jen hobbling around is pissed. (laughs) It's so true. And Jen is a pyromaniac. That was a really good summation. That was, we don't have much that time was to that. Almost, that was almost Keza-worthy of summation. Like, I know. But the main, the other important thing is I learned how to grill this weekend. Oh, it's fascinating. Just, you just sounded like Ita. I'm so, oh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Ita. Manny, pull me. No, oh, sorry. Um, I think that grilling is probably the most fascinating thing since, I don't know, Canned spinach or something. It's awesome. <laughs> canned spinach? <laughs> I just think it's cool. Well, it's like, like with peanut butter, I, I like with peanut butter and jelly. You're talking uh, well, to a woman who just siphoned water out of her toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't. I was just thinking about it. She unsuccessfully siphoned water. And Ryan's response was, I'm laughing and I'm going to show this to your entire office. I did. My office loves Jen. We're starting a betting pool. One person actually read it today and looked at me and said, is she for real? I'm like, I've met her. Like, <laughs> it has to be true. I just, love, so the, true. I just love the part where Jen came to New York and thought, thought Broadway was one big building. <laughs> this is a residential area. Have you seen the video of me in New York? Does she know that I went and saw you? I, I believe she. I, I think she does. Do you know this, Rinna? This well, let's ask Rinna. She's standing over there. I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, ask? I did not know. Yeah, Ryan and I met. <laughs> I think I'm going to meet Rinna. I think I want to. Because my family lives in Conway. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously. And so I was like, and I'm going there in, for Thanksgiving. I was like, we should meet in that week. Because I'll we be should. in Conway. That would be great. You'll be really okay. bored. I know. Well, I'm going to. Well, I'll go. I like Conway. But you have to remember, I was in Arkadelphia for four years. Conway yeah. is huge. Yeah, that is true. All right. So we are going. Uh, J- uh, Rena, how, how are you doing this evening? I, I, I took my last final yesterday, so I am Yay. done for a month. Yay. And, and I didn't fail said final, which was oh, even more exciting. That is very good. And I got my I got my uh, neonatal resuscitation certification, so I can successfully resuscitate a baby as young as twenty five weeks gestation. 
Well, thank God we and have someone on the podcast with that skill because I'm telling you, this is a I know. weird work environment. You have to be prepared for everything here. You have to be prepared for everything, in, in, <laughs> including butt sex babies. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's take a walk down memory lane. This is a great episode because I can actually insert all of the stories we've already told into the uh, episode. Oh, shit, Marie. We're already at the 48-minute mark. This is wonderful. I'm loving this. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Gee, are you all right? Are you, are you being Annie? Yes. Oh my goodness. Or is that um, Charlotte Temple? It's, it's from Annie. Can I just tell you, I was having dinner last night with Danielle's family, and Danielle's mother mentioned the United Nations, and I was trying to remember who our UN ambassador was, because there was that guy that Bush appointed that got by, and I couldn't remember if they put, like, a replacement in, or if there's just some, you know, guy I thought it was just Queen. You thought the Queen was our UN ambassador? I don't really think of such things. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Can I say... I don't remember if this is you, Jen, or another friend of mine who teaches school. No, I'm sorry. It's, another, it's my friend Megan. She's a, she's a teacher. The kids in her class, I think she teaches like, I don't even know. I think she teaches like ninth grade or 10th grade, thought that the Queen of England was our Queen. <laughs> like they thought she you, worked. They was thought the she, American Yeah, they thought she worked for us because they always hear about her. So they thought she was ours. Like, I don't know. But, um... <laughs> No, Aww, I was trying to figure out who the UN ambassador was because it was John Bolton, and then he got fired, and I couldn't remember if they could agree or if someone was just acting, or I couldn't remember it. Danielle's mother thought it was Shirley Temple, who apparently at some point in her career, who's probably now like eighty years old, at some point in her life was appointed like you know honorary UN ambassador of goodwill. Like she went to a funeral or something. She was a UNICEF ambassador. She's yeah, the kid that. All the little dwarf Oscars. Yes, exactly. But Danielle's yeah. mother actually thought she was the UN ambassador to the United Nations, which I thought. Well, was, maybe she, maybe ambassador. she did. I'm gonna Wikipedia her. I bet that she, knows. Gee, you're uh, really far. Gee, you're really far away. Sorry. sorry How about Temple Dimple. It's Shirley Temple Black, right? It, yes. It's Shirley Jane Temple Black. She oh, is. She became United States ambassador and diplomat. Yep. But she's not our UN ambassador, is yes. what the point was. Yeah. She is not, like, it's not like, you know, we're she going to war was, with Iran and Shirley Temple is tallying up the votes. Like she, she was the United States ambassador to Czechoslovakia. That's interesting. Okay. That's one thing. And it's more like, she, she's an ambassador, kind of like Angelina Jolie is an ambassador. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you actually put it in quotes, she's an ambassador. Where is Ghana? <laughs> I thought she was just like, Ghana, Ghana first God. I thought she said, where is God? You know, it's That's like, uh, um, heaven? We're very low on time tonight. All right, let's I, uh, get into this. My sister was talking about how she was going to, uh, not on purpose, have to specialize on Africa, specialize in Africa. <laughs> no, I was, I was laughing at her. Because she's, uh, she's going to, uh, Morocco uh, in 10 oh, days. Oh, God, I would love to go there. Yeah, and uh, she will be staying in the mountains in Morocco. And uh, while she's there, she's going to go swim in the Mediterranean, and she's got all kinds of fun stuff planned. Um, and then next summer, she will be doing a field study in, um, like, Niger in Africa. I'm not sure if that's right. I'll have to ask her again. I know that is. She's like, went there. Yeah. She's, uh, <laughs> she's just like, she's like, I don't even like Africa. And I'm like, well, then stop going. <laughs> 
Anyway. Africa so. sucks. Like, I don't know why anybody would want to go there. Except if you're an African, in which case you call it home. Yeah. Well, no. Well, we should probably edit that out of the podcast in case we have Africa. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right now, we piss everybody else off. I mean, it's not like... We apologize to the Africans that live true. in Africa. This is true. All right, let's get into the fic tonight. All right. This week, we are starting four weeks on Living with Danger, the Dangerverse series, uh, by Why Do You Need to Know, Anne. Uh, and, and, well, we actually, I was talking to uh, Rob from Spellcast this evening, and we had, like, our who's on first moment, because he asked me who the author was, and I said, Why Do You Need to Know? And there, there was strife, there was discourse. We're actually not. Yes, I was thinking that. I think we should come up with a whole, like, why do you need to know? Well, let's, let's just call her Anne, because she's a lovely person. Now, we have to tell the story. Um, we have a lot of behind-the-scenes issues over here at Potterfuck Weekly. Now, <laughs> when we were going to cover uh, Viridian's Nightmare of Future's Past series, Jen was very against it. She was. She was. She put her foot down. I was again. confused. Jen put all of her political capital down and said, "We will not cover this this fic." And I said, "Yes, we will." And she said, well, "Well, okay." Fine. Then. And, and then. <laughs> We prepared to cover it, and she said, this is going to be awful, and I said, it's going to be great, and she's fine. And then we got there, and she says, I'm not doing this, and I said, yes, you are, and she said, okay, I'll do it. So so Jen and I had a very heated discussion about it, and then Jen actually opened the fic Reddit and realized it was wonderful, and she was thinking of a slash fic where, where Harry had, you know, butt babies, and it was this awful thing. She <laughs> couldn't understand why the rest of us loved it, and then she realized she was thinking of the wrong fic. So... We laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> so, for the Living with Danger series, I have not read it until actually today. I read the first ten chapters today. And, I, you know, I, I reading, you know, the, the, the just the, 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 the brief summaries I've gone from forum members, it didn't seem like my thing. It seemed like it was AU gone too far. I had images in my mind of, you know, people howling for chapters and chapters and chapters and cubs and, like, the, just, just the, the way it was described to me, it didn't seem like my type of story. And if I know there's one person out there, you know, even more so than Lady Chi, who's very particular about what she reads, it, it would be, it would of course be Rinna. So I even thought to myself, you know, Rinna really wants to come back on the podcast, but we're doing Living with Danger. I don't think that's Rinna's thing. So I mentioned it to Rinna, and Rinna's like, I want to be in every single episode. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So, Rena, you love Dangerverse, huh? I do. Yeah, I absolutely adore the story. Here's the thing that just bugged, it bugged the hell out of me about this story. I mean, I, I like the idea. I like the concept. I think that, and I think it's really well written. But what, what aggravates me is the whole idea of character one says, I love you so-and-so, and character two says, I love you too, and their super soulmate powers activate. And all of a sudden they can, yes! you know, they can leap tall buildings in a single bound or, you know, whatever. They can talk to each other inside their heads, and that, that drives me up the wall. I really do not care for stories, usually, that involve that aspect of it. And really, if she had left that part out of this story, this would be one of my favorite stories ever. Oh, I love it. I missed you, and I love you. I'm <laughs> you're back. I'm just grinning. We, we haven't really had that much render exposure since the butt sex uh, incident. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. <laughs> so, Rinna is back. So then I actually, I was talking to Anne on the forum, and Anne's thing was, you know what? The first ten chapters, awful. Awful. Like, she wrote the damn thing. So I'm like, oh, this is this is going to be a good episode. So I sat down today, and I, and, I, and I read the first ten chapters. And I have to tell you, 
I like it. <laughs> I like it. I, I, I like it. It, it. Now, it's one of those stories where you cannot... I took it partially tongue-in-cheek, and I really hope it was meant to be taken tongue-in-cheek at parts. But there, there were some parts where it was hokey, but it, it acknowledged itself as hokey, and that was okay. There were some parts I really laughed out loud, and... I, I I liked it. It seems like almost like the first ten chapters were the setup. They were establishing the story, and I think by next week I'll have an indication of or an idea of where the story's going to go from there. It seemed like this was just getting all the characters into place, but I thought it was really I thought it was really clever. I thought it was really funny. There were parts, you, you know, where I did head desk, and I think Anne, as, as she's rereading them, would probably head desk. But I I can definitely see why why the fic appeals to a lot of people. This is one of the few very AU stories that I really have liked. And it's because the the stories that I like that are AU, they don't say, okay, we're going to take canon up to, like, year five, and then all all of a sudden in year five, one day, you know, Draco Malfoy wakes up and he realizes that he's really long-lost best friends with Hermione Granger. You know, that's just not going to happen. It doesn't work that way. Everything we know about these characters would not let that happen. But... These stories, like the Dangerverse stories, go all the way back to the very... I mean, obviously, this is to the very beginning. These kids are babies when we meet them for the first time. And it says, okay, they're going to have the same names, and they're going to have the same... You know, they're going to end up going to Hogwarts, but everything else between point A and point B is completely different because I'm starting from the very beginning, and I'm redoing all of this because this way, it actually makes sense that Harry and Draco would be friends. You know, this way it makes sense that they, you know, that this stuff happens because they go back and they go to the very beginning. And that is the, that is one of the things that I've really, really enjoyed about this particular story is just the fact that they, she did such a good job of going to the very beginning and starting the whole story over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And doing it in such a way that it, like, I'm with, I'm like Rena. You, if you want, to, if you want to have a prayer to get me to like your AU, you have to start from the beginning. And if it's if it's year one, that's fine. It, but like this is the very, very, very beginning. I think it's just and a I, different take. I mean, I I like fix that do this, but I also like AU fix that start in year five and and then they go a different direction. Like I don't yeah. think that I don't think that there's a right or wrong way. I don't to think do there's it. a right or wrong way to do it. It's just like but this I is my personal taste. This is if you're gonna go one. way AU, if you're gonna go way AU, then like this is so the way that I would prefer to read it. Yeah, it's a very good but, place to start. And I also have to say that this fic um, has a good chance of appealing to me because the very first scene is Ramus contemplating suicide, and nothing gets me more excited than extreme Ramus angst, as we all know. You just saw that Ramus was in this story, and you were all over it. <laughs> I think that's one of the hidden secrets of Polyrific Weekly. We know Jen has her little love affair with Snape. <laughs> and, and, and we, we know all these things about, about you know, and we know P.S. and Horace, you know, sitting in the tree, K.I.S.S.I.N.G. But we, we know all these things. That about- is the weirdest thing I have ever heard of in my life. Anyway, go on. <laughs> I felt so bad last week. Literally last week, I, I, I couldn't be on the podcast, and P.S. agreed to host it, and it was P.S. and Mike and Tina, and we needed a fourth person, and Rena was there, and I'm like, Rena, you want to be on? She's like, yes, I'm in the woods, I'm in Arkansas, let's do it, and I put her on, and I ran like hell, because I had to go and do something, and I forgot to actually introduce her to P.S. and, and, and to Mike and to Tina, so she's, hi, everybody, and she had no idea she was surrounded by, you know, Horace Slughorn's biggest fangirl ever, so I just thought that <laughs> produced some really good quality drama but um yeah i mean i think that we really downplay the 
you know, Chi's relationship with Remus Lupin. I think it's one of the hidden secrets True. of Powerfic Weekly. So I you, think when you when you start to do with all my love, I think it'll be quite evident how much I love Remus Lupin. But um, yeah, this is one of my favorite AUs because it, it's one of the few. Uh, there are a couple that focus on Remus Lupin AU wise, but this one is fantastic. Yeah, let's talk After- about how the story starts because this is one thing that. In any other story, this would piss me off, but I got the sense that of you know all of the fics that we've covered, really, I'm, I'm doing math in my head here, I think this is one of the few fics that we've covered that, at least in the first ten chapters, does not seem to take itself very seriously. And because it doesn't take itself very seriously, you can really accept a lot more than you otherwise would have. And I what do you mean by that? Because I there are parts that are very serious, what which it? I'm... Well, not, see, no, it's, it's not that the fic itself isn't serious. It's that it's not... It doesn't... T- like, for example... Okay, here's how the fic starts. It starts with Remus in a park about to commit suicide. And he literally trips over Harry and Hermione in, in danger. And, you know, all of a sudden... Okay, you know, I, if only I had Harry... I, I have no idea where Harry is. I must kill... And he literally, like, falls over Harry. Oh, I, I found Harry. And with, you know... And he, so he finds Harry... And, you know, he, he discovers almost instantly within the first couple of chapters, within the first chapter, that it, luckily the person who's with Harry has, you know, prophetic dreams and, and instantly reveals that it was Wormtail who, who, who orchestrated the entire thing and it was not serious. And, yeah. And, and, it's, and, and, and oh, and I love her and, and we will be married within 48 hours. And she, <laughs> at the same time, can cure, can cure me from becoming a werewolf. What's the... Yeah, that's a... What's the thing called? The, it starts with an L. The thing Aiming. That, uh, lycanthropy. Yes, and, and she can cure my lycanthropy, and I can hear her voice in my head, so we will never have to talk, and we won't fight, and this is... What? And we can save Harry and live him. So it, when you think about this, it's like the most... It's from a plot perspective... It, 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 it's it's ridiculous because everything is per, everything is working out so well and Siri and we can all live together in a giant condo <laughs> like it's yeah so, but if, <laughs> Siri just be our dog yeah, Sirius will be the family pet but the fact the the one thing that saves it and makes it great is every character is like let me get this straight you tripped over them in the park yes <laughs> and you fell in love yes and then you found out you knocked them yes. Well, this is, this is very odd. Like, it admits in the story this is ridiculous, and that's why it doesn't take itself too seriously. So I think it if it's going to become a serious fic, or if it's, you know, no pun intended, or if it's going to become something with, you know, that, that begins to take itself more seriously and the plot takes itself more seriously, that's fine. But I think it got through these first ten chapters because it laughed at itself. And, well, well, I think... I want to talk for a second. I think the one thing that really, like, caught my eye and made this story intriguing, like, immediately from the beginning was Remus's character being proactive after, Mm -hmm. I mean, after Mm -hmm. he meets Danger. I mean, yeah, before, because obviously if he was, like, gung-ho to save Harry from the day one, like, you'd kind of go, well, whatever. But they, but they, they go, they go. Anne goes to explain, you know, that he doesn't know where he is. They're keeping him from him. You know, he has nothing to live for, blah, blah, blah. And then he meets Danger and suddenly everything falls together. And, like, as soon as it does, Remus is doing the things that I wanted Remus to do in canon. And that's what made it so, like, initially appealing because I'm like, yeah, Remus, go finally. And, And you start to think and wonder, like, how 
differently things could have turned out if Remus had I mean, this is like the story that should have been, right. in a way, in in canon, or or you know, if you think if you look at it from that kind of aspect. Oh, did I mention she's also a latent witch? And they're like, well, how yeah. is? This? But but then you can hear you know the Lady Chi talking. Well, if she's a latent witch, why didn't she show up in the Chronicles book and get her Hogwarts? Like, oh, you know, sometimes this can have, a shock can bring it up. Like there's plot, yeah. like it's literally there's a character there, there's the choir walking around with them saying, well, this doesn't make any sense. Well, here's the reason why it works. Oh, okay, moving on. And it, yeah. like it yeah. like I, it's just like I can take that because I think that when Anne wrote it, she kind of saw that, and I. You know well, I I wouldn't I don't know I think yeah. uh, I well I, I kind of want to I want to not that I'm um, trying to say that you know this story isn't great because it is or that it's not one of my favorite AU's because it is but I, I think that you you know to say that the first ten chapters I mean you know they they were built up as so kind of ridiculous to us you know. The, you know, we had we had people on both sides of the fence that said, "Oh, this this story is awesome," and you know, my whole life is living with danger, and I'm on the forums over there all the time. And then you had people that are like, you know, this story is not good at all, and blah 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 blah. blah. So I went when I went to read it, I had two very conflicting viewpoints, mm-hmm. and I think what really struck me about the first ten chapters is, as a beta reader, I was kind of like rubbing my hands a little bit because you can see from the very beginning she doesn't quite know how to set up a story and I mean I'm sure she's going to agree actually I know she's going to agree with me because I've had this conversation with with her through, through various other people um, but anyway she doesn't quite know how to the thing about living with danger that is fun for me as a beta reader as an editor as a writer as a fellow writer is to see her figure out how to write because the first ten chapters are her kind of like walking around with a blindfold kind of sometimes hitting it right and sometimes not hitting it right and then right about chapter 12 or 13 or whatever that's when she really hits her stride and kind of you know she figures out how to use foreshadowing correctly and how to um to use dialogue more effectively and when do I need to describe things more and when do I not and I think that this the beginning of the story is kind of interesting because you see where she starts and then where she ends up is about a million miles away from here yeah. as far as ability and, and storytelling and that sort of thing. So and I, just want to I say, think, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. I just want to say two things um, because I'm sure we have a lot of new listeners chiming in wondering why the hell we just talked about Jen's toilet for 20 minutes. Uh, the, the, the podcast experience for us, or at least for me, is twofold. For people who live and breathe living with danger, they are, they are you know, so they build their lives around this story. They are so, you know, embedded in the fabric of, of that universe. To, to listen to us, you know, I hope it provides, you know, perspective of, in many cases, people who either picked up the story, reading it for the first time, giving, you know, initial impressions or just an outsider's view of it. And for us on the podcast, or at least for me, it gives me an opportunity to read different types of stories each week that I haven't read yet for the most part. So just take it within that context that, so that you may know everything about the story. You may know all the behind the scenes moments and the history and why this worked out that way and alternate version. I know none of that. I literally read the first 10 chapters and then turned on the podcast tonight. Uh, but the one thing that I believe, um, 
Anne has mentioned before is I, I believe that when she started the story, when she was writing these chapters, she didn't fully appreciate where the story was going or how big it would be. And around mm-hmm. the time she got to, you know, chapter 10, chapter 11, she realized, oh crap, I want to tell this story. And when you look back at the first 10 chapters, I, I got the sense from talking to her that, that what's to come is on a different level. You know, it is on a different level. A much bigger level. So you can, t- so to take the, I almost got from her, take the first 10 chapters with a grain of salt. And, and we're going to, and I think that's one of the, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Whenever someone starts out, you always go easy on them in the beginning until they get, you know, off of the training wheels. And I think for a lot of these chapters, you know, there's things that if this were, you know, portrayed as a very, you know, solemn, very dramatic story, there were parts of these chapters that were very well done. And there are parts of these chapters I would ab- absolutely be throwing my hands up in the air at. But I, there are still parts, you know, in that second group that, that just didn't work for me. But overall, I thought it was really good. The, the one thing I just want to say to start with is that Anne writes kids very well. Like she writes, yes. she writes yes. Harry great, and she writes Hermione. You know, just she writes. They're developmentally right about where they're supposed to be. Yeah, actually, she well, writes and really. It, cute I have kids. to admit that reading. I've read a lot of Harry abuse stories. You know. And she writes Harry's abuse, I feel, so realistically. I don't know if yeah. it keeps... It reminded me even... I don't know if, how many of y'all have read A Child Called It and his sequels. Oh, God. But in reading in reading her portrayal of... You know, she doesn't even go into much detail. She, you know, you just know what's going on and you know that it's bad and... And it 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 gave, it gave me that same like sickening feeling in 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 like I've always said if an author can make me feel with words they're doing something right but man they she really nailed the yeah. she, there. I remember reading this the first time and I was taking this class um, I was taking human development concurrently with reading the story the first time I think I don't know I might have been I might have been after but I remember getting the same kind of. They make you read, um, when you take a lot of human development education classes, you read a lot of case studies on um, child abuse, because you have to, because that's kind of like what precedent is, and and this is how you know what's going on. And um, I remember getting the same kind of sick, nauseous, horrified feeling from this chapters, those chapters that dealt with the child abuse, that I did from the case studies, you know, when they're tech, and it helps that I've worked in daycare with kids this age that are like in this situation. I've had to write reports for child services and stuff like that. That, um, you know, I kept like there was a w- little girl in daycare that was in Harry's position where he, they, she was being neglected, and I there are points where I can't. There are parts of the story that I can't read, to be quite honest with you, because it's so because it takes me back to having to deal with that situation, yeah. and. Uh, that's, you know. Well, it's what we always hear from Jules and Melinda and Tina and the moms on the forum when they read fix where Harry is being abused in any capacity. Melinda, when she sees an 11-year-old Harry being thrown in the closet or being denied food, she thinks of her 11-year-old. And, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, what you know if she pitches her kid in that closet. So it's a very personal experience. And I think one of the things that... Um, Especially reading this for me, I wasn't. I knew. I didn't know where the story was going. I knew that it was a story about, um, you know, someone named Danger Granger who would be who come across almost like a Mary Sue kind of character. You know, very, you know, superhero quasi character. And um, I, I, I didn't know really. Usually, you can say, you know, this is a, a Snape Harry adoption fic, or this is a, you know, whatever type of story. I didn't really get. I didn't 
get that summary going into it. I just knew it was involving Remus Lupin uh, in some capacity, so I was a little unclear. So when uh, Petunia first showed up, I had no idea if she was in the right Petunia off as a very Molly Weasley type character. I didn't really know where she was going with with uh, Petunia. And w- when she first arrives at the door um, to, to pick up Harry uh, in, in one of the early chapters, she almost seemed very pleasant or that was how I read her first couple of lines, and it's not until you re- you realize that she's being Petunia, you know, oh, isn't she wonderful, Petunia, and she's putting on, on, on the fake face for everybody. So I wasn't sure where the character of Petunia was going. But I think one the thing that really resonated with me about the Dursley uh, plotline is that it's very understated. You only see Petunia. To my knowledge, you never see Dudley. You never see Vernon. Uh, and it's usually Petunia at the door of her house or at the door of Danger's house. And Harry isn't beaten, to my knowledge. He's it's not you know like the like the like the really over dramatic you know versions of, of of child abuse that you see on TV and in movies with the kid being beaten. If he's a two year old kid and he's left in his room and he's not fed. And the descriptions of him being abused are usually that he is malnourished and that he is very weak. And that is, and yeah. he's neglect, in, in which I, especially when you're dealing with a two-year-old, it is 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 I think the, it's heartbreaking. It's yeah. it's heartbreaking, and it's not overdone. I think that I, you've, and obviously Harry's older in the stories, but we've read the stories where Vernon's grabbing Harry by the neck and throwing him against the wall and beating the, the crap out of. Like we just got off of um, Nightmare Futures Past, where he's literally beaten so badly he he can't even get out of bed until the Weasleys come and save him. So I thought that when you're dealing with a two-year-old, especially such a cute two-year-old, she writes really cute kids and, you know, Hermione is sucking on her thumb and they're sleeping on the floor and she has her arm around Harry and, it, and it, it's... It's that cuteness correspondence course. Yes, it's like I, I once read... I once... I, I, I thought that was... A, there was... I, I can't remember what it was. It was... As we all know, I can't stand the TV series Star Trek Voyager. And there was an episode on it where they killed off a little girl. She she had a head injury and she, and she died surrounded by her family. And the episode ends with them all hugging and crying. And, and, and the TV reviewer said this was a crappy episode, but of course it got me. They killed a kid. Like, there's some things that you can't screw up. And when, mm-hmm. you, when you write such a cute kid... And then you have that kid be neglected. You're, you've gone, you've gotten away with it. You've done a good job because you can't not want to kill the Dursleys for doing that to Harry. And I actually have to say, and, and I say this all the time, when we look at these fix, we look at, you know, what different spin did, did this author put on a, you know, an old plot line or what new, one new thing did this author bring to this 40 chapter fic that I'll, is the only thing I'll probably remember. I love the fact that when, they went to when Danger and Remus collect Harry at the end of these chapters. They put a curse on the Dursleys. Mm-hmm. I thought that was yeah. just. I just thought that was great because. And well, oh yeah, go ahead. No, go sorry. Ahead. No, go. Ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, obviously those of us who have actually read the stories and have read the series up to where it is now, we know that we're going to be seeing more of these characters eventually. But I think that as we do see more of them it gives a really interesting picture of what their home life has been like and we because we know they've put this curse on them and as anyone who's read the stories know that it's a pretty dadgum powerful curse yeah it's uh it's pretty wicked i don't think that the <laughs> yeah. well ramus thought it through but i don't think that he quite realized exactly what he was yeah, yeah. it's pretty evil 
<laughs> but in the best way, it's deliciously evil and very angst-causing, but it has long-reaching re- effects, to, well, you know. I love Remus's description, too, that only the... the the dark are usually the only people who use curses and, and the side of the dark, you know, are not into doing what is just and what is right. So it's a very, you know, rarely used curse as a reason why you've probably never heard of it before. And I think these chapters are filled with moments like that where everything that happens is rare or, you know, you're, you're a latent witch, how unusual, or you can, you know, cure me of becoming the wolf how unusual and it's just one more in you know a series of moments like that which which from a plot perspective i think do kind of stand out like a sore thumb but it's okay in the in the way it's handled it like i said before it's not taken very seriously so i think it works out well um let's start this because obviously she's the main character let's talk about danger herself what do we think of her in the first 10 chapters She's like an angel. <laughs> like I kept saying, "Oh, look, it's 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 Remus's guardian angel come to life." Like she is his savior. Like, but at the same time, it didn't feel like she was coming and laid a hand on his head and everything was well. Like it was like it's like fate is definitely happening in this story. And I love how she kept saying, "You know, I dated so and so, and you, de- you know, you knew my best friend, and you, met, you know, she made all the connections and." I don't know, her personality, I really liked because, one, it showed that she had a mature side because she was caring for her her sister, even though the age is very, very huge. From the beginning, I liked the motherly instinct from her because it made her seem more mature because Remus himself is a mature character. And if we had her be, like, young and peppy, like, I think that's part of why a lot of people never got Tonks and Remus because Tonks was so young at heart and so youthful, exuberant, and Remus was, like, an old man at 12. And I don't know. Yeah, it works better for us here, I think, because when you think of of Remus in the story, he's what? He's 22 years old? He's 23? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, that works, every time he would seem a little out of character, I'd be like, he's 22, I'm used to him being 39. 40? So, yeah. yeah, so there, and there's a difference, and the, and the relationship itself works better. Um, one thing I'll say so far is, I made a comment before the podcast that the only character I haven't liked in the Dangerverse so far is actually Danger. There are moments when Danger is a very human character. The moment when she has to say goodbye to Harry knowing she won't see him for two weeks. The moment when she goes back to col- to collect Harry and she just she can't believe what she's seen. There are, there are moments throughout these chapters where she seems like a human being. You know, even though it was a little bit cliched, the moment where she describes that she works her job part time because she has to, you know, because she has to help Harry, she has to babysit Harry, she has to get him out of there. There's there's moments when she's a very human character, and there's other moments when she doesn't respond like a human character. I felt like her introduction into the Wizarding World was something that happened in almost like a paragraph. (laughs) <laughs> and right for just from a plot perspective, she immediately yeah. starts the story, you know, as someone who has had prophetic dreams and someone who has inclinations as to what's happening. And it just seems like by the end of like the third paragraph, she was accepting the fact that there are wizards and witches. And it just seemed so rushed. And why I accepted it was it wasn't a, it wasn't pretending to be a deep analysis of, you know, 
one muggle's journey into the wizarding world. So I, I accepted it, but it just it didn't seem real enough to, to, to really pull me into the story, so I just sort of discarded those parts. Let me put it to you this way. What if this character in her position was Luna Lovegood? What if Luna Lovegood grew up as a muggle and never... I mean, what we know of her character, how she's kind of a space cadet and she believes in all these crazy things. You know, if Luna was a muggle, I would imagine her to be the one who's, you know, got the sign out of Area 51. You know, I mean, she's that kind of person. And if someone told her in three paragraphs of a story that this is what's going on, you know, she would have, I think she would have a similar reaction. I think, I think from a plot, yeah, I think I agree with that in what's, I think. I mean, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that it was done well because it, it was very rushed, but I am, I am saying that I think that her character, the way she wrote this character is more accepting, more open to accepting something exactly, like that. Exactly, exactly. She sees Ramus and the first thing she says is, I married you. Like if I saw David Tennant, the first thing out of my mouth would not be, I had a dream about you last night. We got married. And that's how our life is going to be. Like, she would unfortunately start stuttering and all she would be able to get out <laughs> is feel me and she would get arrested and it would be awful. No, no, I would ask to see a sonic screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go to bed. Oh, God. This, this is why we shouldn't start new things. No, it's later. still early. <laughs> I know. Jen's I just like- so excited there's no tornado ripping her house apart right now. I know. Her toilet is not. When Jen's toilet isn't flooding, I'm like it's the a plumber. I fixed it. <laughs> You're siphoning water with your mouth, but whatever. It was not. You thought Did about it, great. Okay, but so ex- let me say one okay, thing here. Okay, so what I think I love Rena. Rena's like I'm sorry. We've been off topic for Rinna ninety seconds. When it, Rinna, you said Rena is the rip. Rena. This Rick is faded. All right. So the one, the the one problem I have with that is, um, okay, take the character of Luna Lovegood. You're right. She's sitting in her house waiting for the aliens to come and abduct her. That's her character. I think it's it's a two part thing. Part one is I went into the story hearing, hey, danger's Mary Sue. So when I read her, she seems like a Mary Sue because if someone told me, hey, Ryan, I think you're a diabetic for the rest of the day, I would assume I'm a diabetic because now the thought is embedded in my head. But the difference I think there is is that. The thing with, for example, the character of Luna is it's not Luna herself who's interesting. It's half Luna and it's half the responses other people get to Luna. So it's Luna reading the Quibbler upside down, but it's also all of the other characters staring at Luna saying, what's up with this chick? The Quibbler's upside down. So I didn't get the the reaction from from Remus that Danger was you know, a person completely the opposite of him who is just, you know, like I I would have expected a moment and maybe it was in there and I missed it where, you know, where she's like, Oh, you're a wizard. Wonderful. And he's sitting there like with the crickets in the background, like, huh? Like, like it's that easy. Like I didn't get the sense from him that she was that eccentric. So maybe that was why it just seems so rushed to me, but. I think at the same time, though, you have to look at it in the context of this first paragraph, I mean, or this first section of the story. He is ready to kill himself. He is, he has nothing left. And when you get to that point where you are at rock bottom, if somebody throws you a rope, it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what it's made of. It doesn't matter what's going on. You're going to grab on. Right. And I think, and I think that that is part of what's going on here. He is so desperate for something, for anything to happen, that it wouldn't strike him as odd if all of this happened because he just needed something. Oh, I think you're right. I think there's, 
I think the issue for me, and it's not even an issue, I'm just, you know, this is, we're having an analysis of this, so it's just a good conversation, but I think the, the, with the first ten chapters, it was written to me as though it were in some way, you know, a whimsical adventure. It dealt with serious themes, but it was written that this plot doesn't really make that much sense, but hey, let's roll with it, because even the characters are acknowledging this is freaking nuts. And okay. so, even... You know, it's it's a, it's written like that. So I'm like, okay. And there's cute kids in it. So I'm like, oh, babies, let me hold them. And then you know, the babies are, are malnourished. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, how I, sweetie. I'm like, I must kill You're you. You're clucky. People. I am clucky. So all those things are happening. But the only issue for me in that is I can I can have the simplistic response to cute kids. I can have the simplistic anger to people hurting cute kids. And I can laugh at the plot because the plot it, at some points is is freaking hysterical. But I had difficulty in these <laughs> chapters getting emotionally attached to the characters. Aside from some moments, I didn't really click with Danger because she didn't come across to me like Luna Lovegood, nor should she. But she did come across as... I felt like it was... Like, I, I couldn't buy into her enough because I had trouble buying into the story because the story didn't really even want me to buy into it yet. I think what's going to happen is I think after the first 10 chapters as Anne improves in her writing I'm going to get really pulled into it. Just to this point it, like, like, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about here. Alright, so they, they decipher the poem and they've determined that in order to... How do we free Sirius Black? Okay, let's make, it, let's make a list. How many different ways can we think of freeing Sirius Black? Okay, number one, we can find the people with red hair. Okay, well that seems really hard. Do, do you know anyone with red hair? I don't know anyone with red hair. Do you, okay, you don't know anyone? Okay, no, neither of us know anyone with red hair. Uh, could we ask people that we know, maybe Dumbledore? Hey, Dumbledore, do you know anyone with red hair? McGonagall, do you know anyone? Anyone famous with red hair? Anyone? Do we know anyone with red hair? Okay, we could do that. We could, you know, spend 30 seconds and ask people that we know if they know anyone with red hair. But w- w- let's not do that. That seems too complicated. Let's go with plan B, okay? Plan B, we're going to break Sirius Black out of Azkaban, which will involve swimming all night in frozen water while you're a werewolf. It may not work. It may not. You have a 50-50 chance of dying, but we're going to go with that. And in the event that you're able to carry out this plan, we're going to kidnap the boy who lived, and we're going to go into the witness protection program. How's that work? Does that work? For- okay, let's do that. So it's... It- well, technically, they took Harry first. Yes, they did. But that's, I mean, my thought was, you know, if you spent 20 minutes and maybe mentioned to somebody, anybody, do you know anyone with red hair? They would have said, hey, what about the Weasleys? Oh, yeah, the Weasleys. They're pretty famous. They saved the world five years ago. Oh, great. Do do you know if they have a rat? Yes, they do have a pet rat. I have a feeling that, you know, like in, you know, Viridian's universe from last fic, they they could have fixed this whole thing by, because if you think about it, within a two-day time period, Sirius Black's entire life improves, and he's married with two kids and a dog. He could have taken three days and saved the entire world. It just, so when that's <laughs> that's the type of plot, so I'm like, okay, I have difficulty buying into the universe a little bit. But it made me laugh. It was very well written when you know, Petunia says it's that Granger slot. I almost choked on something. I mean, it's it, it's very well written and it kept my attention, but it didn't. I didn't feel like it was a real place yet. You you know what I think where the problem is, is that we just got off of Coven of Echoes, and Coven of Echoes kind of grips you somewhere deep right away. Mm -hmm. Kind of like, 
you, you're kind of dropped in there and kind of forced to swim in a very complicated, very emotionally charged world that's full of angst and whatever. And living with danger kind of is kind. The first ten chapters are kind of almost whimsical, and right. and you know, it's kind of you kind of walk away with an oh, that's so cute. It's a cute yeah. story kind of feeling, and it's not necessarily a. I mean, you want to keep reading because it's cute, you know, and it, you've, you've it's got your attention now, but you're not like. You know, by chapter two of Kevin of Echoes, you're like, oh, Harry is such a bastard. I don't know what he's done to Jenny, but he's such a bastard. And then, like, <laughs> but you bastard. don't have any of that, like, visceral, you don't have any of that really, um, I don't want to say visceral, that's a wrong adjective. <laughs> Use big words correctly. You don't have any sort of, like, deep um, emotional reaction to anything, really, because she doesn't give you any time. Right. I think that's, you know, she, that's part of the thing is that gets better over yeah. the course of the series is that she does learn about timing. And um, the events that cover one chapter in the beginning um, will cover three or four chapters by the by the middle of the fix. Okay. So you can kind of see you can kind of see that she learns that she has to give people time to adjust and kind of build right. the mountain. But um yeah, like I, the, well, I, yeah, yeah. I will say I I, gosh, I hate talking over people. I'm really sorry, but I just wanted to say this before we get too far away from what you had said, Ryan. And I know you're laughing at me because I talk over people all the time. No, I'm laughing because anyway. no, we're laughing because that's all we. That's do. all we do. I'm like, why are you here? We like, geez, shut up. Stop well, I just I want to give everybody a chance to to express their opinions. But what I would say, oh, you know, there's what you said: Plan A, do this, or Plan B, do this other thing. You know, I, I will say it's the why didn't Harry use a summoning charm when he dropped the egg? Yeah, it's more simple. I mean, when he dropped the egg, or when he when he dropped the map. I'm sorry, when he fell in the staircase in. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, when he dropped the map and and he's on the staircase and Moody is there and he is just stuck there because he didn't think to use a summoning charm. You know, it didn't occur to him. It's the same thing as in the very first book when uh, they fall down onto the devil's snare. And, you know, in the movie, of course, Hermione knows what to do. But in the book, she's like, if only we had some matches. <laughs> you know, you, you like, don't always. You you're not. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, you don't always think of the easiest solution. Clearly, and it, it could just plot, be. They even said, do we know anyone with red hair? There's millions of people in the world with red hair. Let's break him out of jail. Right. Never I know. Been. I was. Like, it was in the sentence. I'm like, I'm like, the Weasley? They were, there was like 18 people in the order. You didn't bump into them at the staff meeting? Like, it just, like, granted, they weren't in the order. But at the same time, you know, you have to realize, yes, we know that there are 18 Weasleys now. <laughs> yeah. And it's easy for us to think about the Weasleys. Do we know if, if Arthur Weasley had any siblings? I don't think. Don't. In canon? So, Uncle, well, it could have been Molly. It could have been Molly. Yeah. You know, they, we know Molly had siblings, but Arthur Molly didn't had- necessarily have brothers and sisters. And if he did, they weren't necessarily in the order. Right. So, it's quite possible that Molly and Arthur were the only redheaded people in the order. But there are other redheaded people in the world. You know, especially when you think of Irish lasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a hell of a lot of redheaded people in that part of the world. I love how she said lasses. It's, so you, it's like Irish lasses. I don't know why. It's a, it took me a minute to decide what that was. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, like lasses, like eyeglasses, eyeglasses. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of redheaded people in that part of the world, and so it it could just be you know 
Well, let's see. We could knock on everyone's door and ask them if there are any redheads living here. I know, but or... the alternate was to break him into Azkaban and go in the witness protection program. Take 20 minutes. Well, but you also have to realize that through all of this section, when they're talking about, you know, before they get married and they're talking about doing all this thing, all these things at several different spots, they both say, oh, we're just building cla- castles and clouds. You know, this isn't real. We're just... This is just castles in the air. We're just making plans and nothing's really going to happen. And, I mean, everybody has done that. Everybody in the world, you know, oh, that man cut me off in traffic. I'm going to kill him. You know, you don't do it. Yeah. You know, oh, this teacher gave me a bad grade. I'm going to go uh, steal his grade book and set it on fire. Well, you're not actually going to do it. You just kind of say it and then <laughs> you do something else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to kind of take that with a grain of salt. They're thinking everything else about this day is nuts. Or what is it from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? If you've done 99 impossible things today, finish out the morning with breakfast at Millieways, the restaurant at the end of the universe. Yeah, you know, exactly. Everything else about this day <laughs> is impossible. So you Why just not? you just have to keep going with it, you know? True. Very true. See, it's good when you interrupt people, Rena. We get that Rena perspective that we otherwise lack. <laughs> Otherwise, subtextually, Ryan talks for 45 minutes. I do. And <laughs> then I'm like, she, like, uh, what uh, are you thinking? You actually hear she wake up and try and remember where the hell she is. And it's just. <laughs> In the I editing like, room, it takes hours. Jen, what do you like? I liked the use of the first time I thought, wow, this author actually like put time and effort into what they were writing was the po- the initial poem from her dream. That was amazing. Like, Joe Rowling it's, spent a, a whole day. Is it not amazing? The, Joe Rowling spent a whole day in the prophecy. And I, what is this? I, list, I, I listen to the story on my iPod. So usually if there's something interesting or if there's, like, something that I know will be, like, a puzzle to decipher, I'll try and jot it down. That thing was huge. She put some serious time in it. She really did. And the thing is, is it actually fit together and it made sense. And I was just... I was I read it twice and I'm I'm usually the person who like you know those people who put like songs in their in their fix and like po- yeah. poems you know I scroll through I'm like that has nothing to do with the story and I scroll through it but this was like so crucial to the story and I was so impressed I was just really impressed you want to know something Absolutely. well it also helps that it helps that this this particular poem is crucial to the story you yeah. know I mean obviously if you read through the rest of the story, she does put song lyrics in fix, and that absolutely drives me crackers. But you do skip over that stuff. And sometimes they put poems that people are reciting to each other, and I skip over a lot of that stuff too. But she uses it as a device, as something that's necessary for you to understand what the hell is going on. Yeah, she made a po- you, Well, yeah, there's other parts of this. Uh... God, I have a potty mouth tonight, don't I? Oh, well, okay. Rena, we've been explicit <laughs> since 25. Since 25. <laughs> you could be like Joe Biden and say bullshit right now. I'm going to leave. It in. <laughs> it's true, it's true. You should hear last week's episode. It was definitely an NC-17 conversation. Anyway, what was I saying? I was in the middle of saying something horrible. I don't remember. Oh, I didn't read it. The prophecy. I didn't read it the first time. I'm a chronic qualm skipper. Like, I've I've read The Lord of the Rings uh, four times through. I read it once every year, but I've probably not read it all because I don't read the like you know they're always like wandering off and Legolas spends three pages talking about the beauty of trees and I'm like all right whatever and it's all in like iambic pentameter and I'm like I don't care and I skip past it and I did the same thing in the story because I was like I don't care scroll <laughs> I'm terrible and uh, but I did go back and I did read it. Well, it's very impressive. I just I get tired of prophecies and what? poems. 
these songs. It's, and it's not entirely fair to the author because they spend a lot of time on it. I it think anything an author puts in italics, they're, when you put something in italics as an author, I have to feel that 50% of your readers are going to skim. Yep. Now, what is that? Yeah. You know what the two things are? You always skim the stuff in italics, and if the person doesn't speak English, you always scream at them slowly. What's up with that? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't, like, it's, it's, yeah. I, I don't. You, I never read the instruction manuals because they're always in italics, and I always scream at Spanish-speaking people in English. As if you speak slowly and loudly, they will understand you. Can yeah. you speak slower? Like that's going to help. I don't get it. Yeah. You know what? It, it, it's human. <laughs> and then when they bold the italic stuff, forget it. No chance. Exactly. Get it. Well, like when they're talking to each other in their minds. I want to go back to telepathy because I know Brenda was talking about it earlier. How it's not her favorite. Plot device. Well, it's, hold on, Rena. Can you please describe to me why it's not your favorite plot device? Okay, it's not. It's not just telepathy. It's the whole package that comes along with it, and it is. You know, we we kind of touched on this a little bit um, at the last podcast that I was on, um, because there were a, a big group of fix that came out a couple of years ago that were all about bonding. Mm-hmm. Two characters would have some kind of soulmate bond. And most of the time, in a lot of the stories you saw, it was Harry and Jenny that had some kind of soulmate bond. And it was one of the most annoying things I have ever come across. I think mm-hmm. the first one I read, I liked. But then when I realized that there was a whole genre out there where all that involved was this bond, and what would happen is, you know, your first character would say, I love you so-and-so, and the second character would say, I love you too, and then their super soulmate powers would activate, and all of a sudden yeah. they could <laughs> run really fast and, you know, hold their breath yeah. for five minutes underwater, and they could cast super strong spells, and they could talk to each other inside their heads, and it's like, you know, no, <laughs> stop. Yeah. First of all, I know if I had somebody in my head 24 hours a day, I would There's very no way they would be in love with me. that person's life. That's the yeah, thing. Exactly. I'm too it's, vindictive. It's not the story. It's honestly not the story. But do you honestly believe that you know in every like in every story I've ever had, like you said, it's Harry and Ginny, or in the story it's Remus in Danger. Neither of them has any secrets, and neither of them is like, oh crap, he's in my head, he's going to find out about X. Like, they're all like, oh, I'm yeah. out in the open, and I tell you everything I'm thinking. I'm like, what? It's like, oh my gosh, she can see inside, you know, Danger can all of a sudden see inside Remus's mind. So that means she's going to know about his stash of nudie magazines. Yes. She's going to know about... <laughs> <laughs> What's the phrase? She's going to know about... She's going to know about his habit of, like, why it takes him 20 minutes to shower and stuff like that. Like, it's, you know, it's, yeah. What it's is just, the phrase, though? Just to go off topic for a second, Renna, brace yourself. Um, I, I've been now officially living with a girl for two and a half weeks. And one of our one, one of our maternal forum members, whose name will remain nameless for the purpose of this conversation, asked me if I had, and I can't think of the term right now, it was something along the lines of, porn buddy and I'm like and I didn't get what the phrase was I don't remember what the, and I and I, I said what's that apparently there's this buddy system that is, exists so that if you drop dead in the middle of your day you know a heart <laughs> attack this person will go to your house go to and your steal house and your, your porn, porn so your wife won't find it and you make the same what? commitment back towards that so right now Jen James has a friend out there and they have signed a written contract if James <laughs> if James dies 
dies, this stranger is going to go into your house and steal James' porn so you can't find it. And if he dies, James will go to his house and do the same. And apparently, you inherit the other person's collection. Oh, It's like willed to you. And there's this whole system, which I never knew. But my response is, like, in, like, like, I... No one here knows what it's called, right? I don't. That was the purpose of bringing that. But my thought is always like, you know, people like even if it's I'm planning your surprise party, people always have secrets. People should always be uncomfortable yeah. with people. Reading. And it always cracks me up in stories. Everyone's like, "Oh, this is wonderful." I'm like, "The hell?" I would not know. <laughs> you know what it is? Not. Now we, there's this um, there's this author that I love. It's a guilty pleasure, but at the same time, I acknowledge how ridiculous it is. Her name is Christian Fian, and if you're into this, if you're like a 14 year old girl and this is your dream or whatever, and go she ahead. She loves 14 year old girls. I just and um, shut up. Anyway, hey, the story really like, dirty. Well, the um, no, the premise a- of the story <laughs> is that you. like. There's this uh, woman, you know, there's always one woman, and she's always been tragically alone all of her life. And this man, who is, of course, a superhuman person, can, like, fly and bend time and stuff or whatever, and is, can, awesome. only be, can only be, remain good if he finds his one true love in the whole wide world, um, comes, you know, and they, they get together and they bond, and, you know, suddenly she can't live without him, and blah, 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 blah. That's and, you know, now that... Sorry. <laughs> exactly. So um, that always like I always have like bad flashbacks to those books when I read stories like this. It just is never like a really effective because you need your you need your private like even in a relationship like I, I don't I'm not in one now but I used to be you know and you know um, he was gone for long periods of time but even like when he was back for like two days I'd be like okay now is the time where you need to leave. <laughs> And go somewhere else and get away from me because I need my, I need space. I can't be around you all the time. Like Danielle and I, yeah, like Danielle and I are living together now and we're in cramped quarters and it's pretty much like I'll be on that side of the room, you'll be on this side of the room and we'll just pretend there's a wall because you need privacy. You (laughs) have to have space. I'm speaking to two married women right now like I invented the thing, but you know. I think that, I think that, (laughs) and, and this is again off topic, but the first series of stories that I read that in, involved the soul bond and talking inside your head and whatever. It was over on uh, Sink Into Your Eyes, and it was by a woman named S.S. Henry. And in this series... I think I've read it. Go ahead. Yeah, I do. And, and the thing that absolutely cracked me up about that particular story and the way they did it is that Ginny became aware of this bond that they had like four years before Harry did. <laughs> <laughs> and so Harry always has so, been a bit of a moron. So. Right. But what she did, and I thought this was really clever the way she did it. She went through and took out her copies of the books. And every time you would see in the books where Harry would have just some random off the wall thought pop into his head from the books. She made it be that that was Jenny's thought or that, you know, he would tell himself things in his head to try to psych him up. She made it be yeah. that it was Jenny that was doing that. Um, intentionally, oh, really but there was a very funny scene where I believe Harry was Harry was wanking in a bathroom, <laughs> and and Ginny was being forced to live through it as well. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, she was in class. Oh no! What? I don't know if she was in class or if she was in detention or something. But so That's she keeps. She's doing something, and all of a sudden, all she can think about is is Harry, who's thinking about Cho, actually, while he's doing this. <laughs> How dare oh, he? Oh, oh. 
It's just, it was one of the funniest things because it was one of the first stories that really acknowledged that there is a serious downside <laughs> to this whole being in your head 24 hours a day thing. And I think one of the first things that happens in that story series after Harry and Ginny figure out that they have this thing is they get into a huge fight. And so Ginny immediately runs off and starts totally making out with Dean uh-huh. because she knows that Harry can see it. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, she knows that Harry her. is experiencing it. I have a and question, so does she does Harry it. at the point that he's doing this, thinking about show, know that Ginny can read his mind? No. Like, that's his fault. I'm sorry, I'm sticking yes. up for men everywhere. We're switching fix momentarily. Like, that's his fault. Like, come on. Yeah. It just, it was, Women. you know, that was, I, I liked that in that fic, that she acknowledged that there is a serious downside to being able to talk to someone in your head 24 hours a day. And, you know, I think, and yes, for the purposes of this story, you know, we find out that it's through these dreams. Like, she has the dream first, and then a few nights later, he has the dream, and instantaneously, they know everything about each other. But, you know, I, and so in in that sense, they're saying, well, if they know everything, then obviously she dreamed about his porn stash, and, and she dreamed that he likes to floss his teeth on the toilet, and she dreamed that, you know, all the other crazy shit that he does that, that he doesn't tell anybody about. So she already, theoretically already knows about all of it. But it's still, I mean, that is why I absolutely hate this plot device, because it, it would, it's completely plausible, and I think it's stupid, and honestly, I gloss over as much of it as I can when it talks about the thing about their eyes, how their eyes change colors when they're talking inside their heads, and I kind of skip over a lot of it just because I think it's a really stupid device, and I think the story would be fine without it. Yeah, I agree. And that was an incredibly long rant that just went in like a huge circle, so... <laughs> but I just have to tell you, it was a great Star Trek The Next Generation episode. Just have to throw that Chug. out there. Next Generation, <laughs> oh, wow. Season 7, Attached, go, go watch it. Really good. And uh, Jen, just in case you're wondering, yes. here's the link to that author. <laughs> well, go ahead. I'll make sure I'll save that. I'll save that for the uh, audience who wants to go read the uh, Bond fic that <laughs> the soul Bond fic that Rena Rena only recommends. Wants to <laughs> yeah, yes. I don't think I, I necessarily recommend it. It was just it was the first one of those stories that I ever read, and what I thought I thought it was clever the way that she made it work. Because, you know, I do like it when they go back, when you can find stories that are well-written that go back and tell all of the stories from a different point of view. Because obviously we know from canon all the books are going to be about Harry. So we learn about the other characters kind of peripherally. But you never really see, okay, I mean, I think the Hermione, Queen of Witches story does this too. Goes back to the beginning and tells it from another person's point of view. Well, this goes back and it tells the Harry Potter stories through Ginny's point of view because she's living them too. Because she has, she knows that she can sense Harry's thoughts. And it's just, it's really interesting the way that she makes it work. Because I I know uh, from reading her profile, she actually is a published author. And which is part of the reason why I think I liked her story so much, because they are obviously very well written. And she obviously did her homework. I mean, I'm not saying it's the best thing in the world. I'm sure if I reread it tomorrow, the whole soul bond thing would absolutely irritate the hellfire out of me. I mean, Mark, I do know that in that fire. story, Harry and Ginny get accidentally married. Oh, no. And a uh, long story. But they get accidentally married, and then it's Arthur Weasley who creates a place for them to go have sex. 
Oh god! No, I read the fic. It would have to be Arthur. So I have to. Tell oh yeah. You, everyone has that fic that you've read and that you. I, like I'm not a quitter. I I am I am I have never quit anything in my life. Rarely, well, except basketball, it just wasn't my thing. But you know, I I I I've told the story many times. This this fic was 97 chapters long. Each chapter was like its own encyclopedia. I read every damn word of it. And it involved Harry being a sixth year uh, professor at Hogwarts. He was teaching part time while he was the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. And he was um, a student at the same time, and apparently that caught on because I think Hermione did it, and like all of the main characters are professors. And it got to the point where Harry lived in the staff wing, and Molly would send him and Jenny, you know, to school to obviously go have sex, you know, but then come back later. And everyone knew, and they all laughed and thought it was funny. I'm like, Molly would hit them over the head with a big pot, like that's how that would work. Like that always blew my mind, but that's a rant for another day. But I do want to say one thing, which is interesting for me, <laughs> is because I listen to these stories, I get a different feel for them, because I li- I Because you, you listen to them in, like, this monotone... Well, not only that, but I don't see italics, and I don't see both. So the scenes, when they're talking uh, to each other, to me, <laughs> seems like they're talking on the phone. Yeah, I it, think we're going to have to do a system, Ryan, where I'm going to read the chapters to you and send the audio files to you. Oh, so you this. can have my ex- <laughs> my acting. <laughs> I think I'll do that to you one week. I'm just going to read out loud. Yeah, because then... Cause, just get dramatic. Because like, if I were reading this now, it would probably s- seem annoying to me. But I, when I'm listening to it, I forget that it's not the two of them walking down the street just talking to each other. I forget that we're doing telepathy. And by the way, he looks like a wolf. Like those things, yeah. <laughs> those things kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're like none other. You forget that this is not Snape and it's really Lupin or looks like Lupin and it's really Snape. I mean, there's parts, there's things you forget. So it seems perfectly normal to me when I'm listening to it. But then after a while, when I read it, it's all in bold and I'm like, holy crap, this is telepathy. And then it, it, I think if I had read every word of it, it would have come across somewhat differently to me, at least. But there is one thing I do want to say. And we're talking earlier about how. The first ten chapters sort of skip over a lot of the little nuanced moments that make the characters seem like real people, you know, for plot reasons and and to to cram a lot of stuff in. One thing I did like was that in any other fic, you know, okay, we've decided we're going into the witness protection program and we're going to change our names and we're going to dye our hair color and we're going to, you know, get jobs at supermarkets. And all I could picture is Remus as a cashier and I was picturing Chi and it just was funny but you know when you're when you're when you're but you picture you know don't worry i have a castle that was left to me by my great-grandfather which i've never visited but should be perfect for you know such an occasion like this and they all live in you know lupin manor and you know there's a gate with people with sticks defending and it's just yeah i like the fact that they all had to sell their houses and they bought, you know, like, a like a, they bought a duplex, <laughs> and they're doing the thing where they're faking the move-in for the neighbors, and they're fighting, and they're screaming, and they're kissing and making up, and they're fighting, and the kids are running, playing locusts. And I like the fact that they had to do that, and I'm not sure I entirely buy into their logic chain very much, but I guess here's the thing. Tell me if, if this is just me. All right, the plot line is, I, Remus Lupin, am going to, you know, we're, we're going to kidnap Harry Potter 
from where Albus Dumbledore placed him. We're kidnapping him from the Dursleys. And we are going to take him to London, which is described as, you know, an hour away by car. And they're still going to have Danger's car. So it's not, I don't believe it was described as they, you know, got a new car or, you know, they tried to disguise themselves. They dyed Harry's hair and, and, and they I know, they looked hair. like little Swedish children. Yeah, but they didn't, they didn't, like, it seems like the worst plan ever because aren't they living like 20 minutes away? In, like, wearing like, you know, dark sunglasses? Like, it doesn't. Uh, Brian, have you ever read uh, the Purloined Letter? I haven't. Have we? Have you even seen uh, Superman? I have glasses. seen. Sur- well, if that's what you're going for, then <laughs> then we're fine. But it's no. Seemed- the whole point of the whole point of the Purloined Letter reference is that it's always best to hide in plain sight. Okay. So everyone's looking for you in, in you know, Mongolia or wherever, and you're right, okay. right there. And yeah. I think that it's, you know... Maybe I'm too serious about, trying to analyze this. I'm like, but well, this but you have to think sense. about it this way. They didn't have to... They didn't think about changing... Or Remus didn't think about ditching the car because, you know, wizards wouldn't be looking for them in a car. Yeah. Really. You know, they wouldn't be, That's and they wouldn't thing. think, oh, well, we have to find this car. Not even Dumbledore thought, oh, well, I bet if we stake out, you know, if we look for this truck, we'll find them. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, at, at this point, they have no idea what's going on. They don't you know, think like that you know what because think, that doesn't occur to them. You know what I think is, because people are going to be listening to this saying, what the hell's up with this guy? And I don't have an answer for you. But one thing which I think is throwing me a little bit is, okay, in Superman, you know, it's... No one ever says, you know, or or Batman, you know, why has no one, why, why do you sound so much, you know, you, you know, like Clark Kent, like no one thinks, you know, you, you know, the, these, 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 or Bruce Wayne, whatever his name is in, in Batman, no one ever asks this because it's part of the story that it's, it's, of course, it's ridiculous. Of course, Lois should be able to tell, but she never does. I mean, that's just part of, of, of that quality story. Well, she was also an idiot. Well, she was a moron. <laughs> we're, we're, we're dealing with Harry Potter characters here who are not the sharpest crayons. But the, I think the issue I'm having is it's like they'll, they'll address the problem. It, it, it would be like if Clark Kent said, you know, I don't know why she never recognizes me and makes it part of the story, but then that like legitimizes the question in some way, which mm-hmm. maybe takes away. Because my thing is, is they're, they're making plans and they're saying, okay, we'll take Harry with us on the first day, but then we'll bring him back so that will sow confusion so when they come to check on us we'll have a good alibi which implies they're going to come to check on you which implies that the rest of your story sucks and you know like that's what's throwing me it's more first of all a lot of the things that you're talking about are things that are going to be dealt with in later chapters. Okay, I love having Rinna back because Rinna knows when to bitch slap me like no one else. (laughs) And so, well, it's it's not that. It's just you know that's something (laughs) that will eventually. You know, especially you said you talked about the voice. You know, yeah. you will see in future chapters. I mean, this isn't going to give anything away, but anytime they go out in public, Remus doesn't talk. Sirius mm-hmm. doesn't talk. You know, it's it's Aletha and and Danger who do all the talking. True. And of course, they let the kids talk, but it's because they don't want anybody to recognize them. And it's not necessarily that they're saying, "Okay, somebody's going to come look for them," but you know, it's it's that thing of. Okay, it's a missing child. You know, think about a, like a code atom at a shopping mall or something. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a muggle missing child or a magical missing child. They're going to get the word out. 
and say, okay, we're missing a kid. And what happens, like if you have to do a code atom at a store, you have to check every kid that walks by. You have yeah. to look for any family with kids in that age group, and you have to check every single one of them. And so it's more like, okay, we're going to change our faces, and we're going to establish it so that we had two kids when we moved in two weeks ago, so that when this kid goes missing in two weeks, if somebody puts up a flyer or puts his face on a milk carton or something, nobody's going to say, hey, wait a minute, these people just showed up, and they all of a sudden had two kids. Yeah. This might be one of those kids. They'd say, oh, well, they already lived here, and we already knew they had kids, so we know about those kids. We're not going to worry about them. True. Exactly. Which it's, it's actually is very smart. I mean, it's very well... It's not is it's kind of ridiculous, but I think that it works because it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Like you just kind of it's one of those things that like you know Jen said it all the time with the year like none other, and I said it all the time with Coven of Echoes. You just kind of have to accept that it works because the rest of the story kind of revolves around it. It's just one of those things that you know, it, yeah. You just kind of have to go. Yeah, I mean she makes it work. She does get better at making it work. Yeah. But uh, well, no, it's too. The setup is- Sometimes there's moments in stories which maybe even come across not the way the author intended. So maybe I, I think what happens too is because we read every line of it, we kind of latch on to, to this moment here and this moment there, and we try and push it into saying something that the author likely never intended. Because I think we're really good at that. When we really analyze this stuff, we're going on about how Anne obviously intended this, that, the other thing, and Anne's sitting there reading this like I did. Oh my god. Yeah. I did. Oh, yeah, oh, you wonderful. know, I'm convinced. Uh, I am convinced still that if William Shakespeare like came out of his grave someday and like went to a lit class that was talking about one of his plays, he'd be like, "What the hell are you people talking about?" <laughs> I was. Why are you, why are you analyzing it, and why aren't you just enjoying it? Yeah. You know, no, exactly. Would, like exactly. Wow, electricity. <laughs> oh, shut up. He'd be, he'd be like, www.blackboard.com. My God. He'd be like Wikipedia-ing himself and changing everything. The thing, the thing about this entire story is that you do have to kind of suspend disbelief for a minute. And it's just mostly about these first chapters. Because after... After this part of it, it kind of clicks back into reality a little bit because because everything does kind of work out a little too perfectly. And, you know, I, I was saying the last time I recorded that in, in my hiatus from the podcast, I have become completely and totally addicted to the show Lost. Yeah. I, I mean, am if I didn't too, have a, Rena. If I didn't have a TiVo, I wouldn't be here right now because Lost is on right now. Luckily, we're switching um, our recording nights next week, so it'll work out fine. Yeah. What not? And so Wednesday. Wednesday. We'll, we'll deal with it later. But um, but you know, from someone and and literally, I never watched the show until like the very beginning of this season, and then I was like, holy crap, I must know everything. So I went out and bought the first three seasons on DVD and had this like marathon. <laughs> Oh my god, it's like Dark I know. Okay, and, I saw you're not the hottest guy in the entire world. Oh, oh god, yes. <laughs> Can I turn this back oh, to where god, it belongs yes. to Battle Circle? I would have his little con man babies. <laughs> but anyway, the whole idea behind Lost is that everyone is there for a reason. And that fate brought these people to the island. And I guess you can kind of look at it like this. For the purposes of this story, yeah. fate brought them into this situation. 
you know, everything had to line up some way. And, and really, and like I said, like we've said before, it's just really for these first 10 chapters, and then things get a little bit more realistic. And I want to say, but it's like, I oh, I meet you at the park, and, and, and all of a sudden we fall in love, and oh, yes, your best friend is in love with my best friend. And Isn't that weird? Holy yeah. crap. But you look, know, here's, yeah. the, here's the thing I want to say, too. I'm a, everyone knows I'm a huge fan of Battlestar Galactica. And there's one guy really? who writes... Yeah! There's one guy who writes it. And he does podcasts of every of commentary Wait, podcasts. I know what he's going to say. I know what he's going to say. I know what he's going to say. Somehow, gonna you're going to work in that he wrote... Like, it start, the series starts with the end of the series. And you have to, like, go back... You know how it ends, so the whole part of the story is, like, watching it so that you know how it gets to the other part. And then the other part is that you know, like, the, uh, the writer, like, knows what's going to happen before then, right? Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Not Am I right? really. Story, like, you're, you're, like, you're, like, totally wrong, but you were almost there. So what happens <laughs> is he does commentaries of every episode. And what it is is it's literally him sitting in his house. His phone is ringing in the background. You can hear the dump truck outside the door picking up the trash. His kids are running and screaming, and he's drinking heavily while watching the episode giving behind the scenes. And this stuff goes, like, on the DVD. Like, it's hilarious to listen to. There's a there's a character on it, um, Baltar, who is this – he's this brilliant genius. He's – think of, like, Bill Clinton. He sleeps with every woman in sight. He's absolutely... He destroys the human race. He gives the bad guys the key to destroying the human race. And you compare him to Bill Clinton. Well, he likes to sleep with people. And his response (laughs) when finding out that he just ended the human race is, and I quote, am I going to get in trouble? Like, he's he's extremely self-centered. And the thing is, is there's this beautiful woman this this cop this what this girlfriend that he knew who turned out to be a bad guy he sees her in his head and she's walking around in these skimpy dresses and she's giving him advice on things to say and no one else can see her so you as the audience wonder is she you know a chip in his brain that is is he insane and he's imagining her and you never can tell if she's real or not like sometimes she'll tell him things that maybe he then you like then you try and like watch all of her scenes. Is she telling him anything that he doesn't already know, so that maybe she's a, an illusion? Or it, long story short, in the last episode that aired, there's a scene where he is standing up to a security guard who is telling him to get back, and he and he won't get back. So the security guard smashes him in the face with the with the back of his gun, and he falls down. And and, and the woman in his head, you know, tells him you need to get back up. So he gets back up, and the guy knocks him down again. And the point is, is will he be seen as like a tragic hero, and will the people People, you know, stand up for him. And there's a moment where she says, you need to get up. And she grabs him by the shoulders and tries to stand him up. And they film it without her in the scene. And it looks like he's being picked up by wires and lifted up. So all of the act, all of the the fans of the show said, oh my God, she's real. Because it looks like she, like this invisible force is moving him around. So the writer is watching this on the podcast going, yeah, uh, I wasn't on the set that day, and uh, he shouldn't have done that. And uh, yeah, pretend that never happened because um, I think that was a terrible moment. So everyone and their brother figured out that she's, you know, this force in his head, and as it turns out, it was just bad acting. So my, my point is, I'm just anything that Anne puts in here that we're saying, oh, it must be this, so oh, it must be she was aiming for whimsical first ten chapters or whatever. Maybe she just didn't like what she wrote. Maybe it came out differently. I, I just want to point out that, that, that I think we're going to probably analyze stuff a little bit too deeply. 
And I am very, I am very pro. We actually, for those of you who don't know this, there's a running commentary, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, he is still talking. He's actually still talking." Oh lord, you, like I'm gonna read this to you. We're in a short, short, long, short story long. Anything by Charles Dickens? Gee, oh lord, yes. Or anything where Ryan tries to explain the plot. Short summary is not one of his skills. He's prolix. Ooh, rabbit. Like, it's just, I'm surrounded by Actually, women. the short story, the short story long bit is a, is a joke from this um, online text-based game called Kingdom of Loathing. That it's basically, it's like an online RPG, but all of your characters are stick figures. It's pretty fabulous. You should check it out. It's kingdomofloathing.com. But that's a. It says long story short something short story long anything by Charles Dickens. So that's what that's from. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually in fairness. I'm trying to read this thing as it's like moving as people are typing. But I love the point where it says Lady Chi is so completely lost. I was six words into my story. She's like, <laughs> No, no, no. I think she was talking about we were having a side discussion about characters from the show Lost. <laughs> yeah. <Lost. laughs> And so she was talking about us, not you. Oh, thank God. Because yeah. I was about to say, I don't even know why people listen to me when I speak, but whatever. We love you. Oh. Can I just point out that as I'm now living with a girl, as I said that, Danielle came walking into the room, and as I said, I don't know why people listen to me, she's nodding her head. <laughs> now, now that I'm living with a girl, when he's been living with his mom the whole time, and she's a girl. I know. My mother know. is a girl. But it's right. so cute that you're so excited that Danielle is there. Yeah, a moment passed. It's no, it's no. Okay, so, so, so okay, so getting back to the story. Um, another <laughs> thing <laughs> that yes, exactly. It's the whole idea of the werewolf tamer. It's again, it's one of those super soulmate power activate kind of situations. <laughs> you know, that. I want to name you Rena the Pink Ranger or something. Do <laughs> 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 we need to? Do I don't know. Like, you know what? Somebody needs to make her. Somebody in my house, I'm going to have to be like, Brenda needs a banner. I'm not going to tell you why Brenda needs this banner, but she needs this banner. It needs to be pictures of Wonder Twins and say, Super Soulmate Powers, activate. activate. <laughs> that needs to be our new theme. And can, can, I, can the episode title please be Renna the Pink Ranger or something? <laughs> I need to work Renna's ass donut somehow into the title of this episode. No, episode. no. Oh, no. Again, it's. It's yeah, I mean it's it's the whole idea that she has this random talent and obviously it comes in handy. But and and it's a I mean and, helper. and well and speaking as someone who has read the story um up to where they are now, which is currently in the sixth That's story arc. Because I haven't read past after down the Well, it it comes I mean, obviously this comes back into play many, many times. Because Remus deals with the situation on a fairly constant basis, and it, it stays as a running kind of thing, and it, it makes a lot more sense later on about what's going on in the situation. But um, it's just it's it's one of those things where it, 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 in this part at this point in the story, it just irritated me so much. I mean, really, I didn't care for the story when I first read the first part of it. Yeah, it took reading through. It took reading through it and moving on and then keeping going in the story, reading Living Without Danger and reading uh, Facing Danger. And, oh, that's the one they're doing now. I don't remember the name of the third one. 
dealing with danger, I'm sorry, dealing with danger and then facing danger, you know, you read all, all of the parts of it and it, um, it, it makes a lot more sense about some things yeah, um, that happen in the story. The problem with, with the werewolf tamer, I think it kind of like makes me roll my eyes a little bit is the, the, the tragedy of lycanthropy, which is what Ramus has is, you know, there, there is no, I mean, it's kind of like, I've heard people parallel it to AIDS or cancer or whatever is you, you just can't beat it. They have ways to treat it to make it more bearable for you, but you just can't beat it. You know, it's gonna, in the end, it's gonna get you, you know, you're going to have to deal with the consequences. And I think I can understand why you would, you know, I love Ramus just as much as the next person, probably a lot more than the next person, unless the next person happens to be like, Alpha one. Anyway, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, I just think sometimes you just need to let things from canon be. It's kind of what I said to Viridian, too, where he was kind of manipulating little things with, like, having summers, summer tutoring or whatever. This is one of the things that, you know, werewolf, lycanthropy is something that defines Ramus Lupin. It, everything in his life revolves around how he deals with his disease. You know, yeah. his marriage, his child, um, you know, his relationship with Harry, uh, all these things in canon kind of revolve around how does how does he deal with his disease? And when you kind of make it a not an issue until it's convenient for it to be an issue, it's kind of it's one of those things that just kind of makes you roll your eyes. And it makes you want it makes me want to sometimes go, well, why didn't when Anne gets here, I'm going to ask her, well, why didn't you just kind of. I mean, I understand why you did it, but don't you think it might have been also interesting to explore that type of relationship? Like, ha- imagine having a telepathic bond with a werewolf. Like, that would be angsty. That would be nice. Like, if you were, like, connected to him during his transformation. I don't know. Yeah, it would well, be like, you. she would have to, like, a- you write what you know, and you'd have to access, like, the animal mind. Like, well, you know what uh, it is, too? It's, it's like, run. for example, if you have a character who has cancer, like, I'll go back to Battlestar, this character who has cancer, you better use the fact that the character has cancer. You better tell stories about how the cancer impacts their life. Do they do chemo? Or do they do they not do chemo? You have to you have to tell that story. You can't give a character cancer and then have them battle it off off stage, you know, off scene, so, so you don't have to deal with that. It, and it, one thing that annoys me about a lot of you know, either television series or, or movies or, or books is when you have a ter- like a terrific premise to a show, mm-hmm. but then you never take advantage of that premise. Mm-hmm. And, and like we get that a lot with with the canon. You never take advantage of the fact that this is a story that could be you know about child abuse or child neglect. You never get, take advantage of the fact you know that there's all these different layers to it, which is why we love fan fiction. But the thing with this is that these are Anne's characters. Anne is borrowing these characters, so of course some authors aren't going to take them as they are. They're going to you know they, they want to tell stories about certain sides of the characters, and she may not have had you know a desire to really get into the fact that Remus is a werewolf. She may have wanted to take advantage of other parts of him. And I guess if, if that were a part of the story, my question would have been, well, what is it about Remus then? Cause that seems like such a, a whole part of who he is other than the fact that he is, you know, the last friend standing and, you know, he is the, he is the, the one person left, you know, of a once former, you know, 
wonderful group of people, you know, a very diverse group of people. He's the last one left. But I suspect the story is going to be very much about werewolves from what I've heard, so I don't think that's it. But I guess that would have been, if I didn't know that going forward, I would have been concerned that she would have, you know, just been duct taping over the fact that Remus is a werewolf. I don't think that's what she's doing, so I'm fine with it, but I guess that would have been a concern of mine otherwise if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. And I think that's a danger when you get into fan fiction. You know, I don't like the fact that Ron Weasley is, you know, someone who has a bad temper, so I'm just going to, you know, give him therapy in Chapter 2 and he'll be fine. I mean... Yeah, I don't like that uh, Peter Peter Pettigrew exists, so I'm going to write a Marauder's Era story where he's got, like, two lines the whole time. Yeah. 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 Peter's constipated, so he's been in the bathroom for the last eight chapters, and uh, he may not make it up. So, well, yeah. Too much? No, yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like poop jokes. Oh, I'm sorry. Jen. <laughs> <laughs> what is Big Beasley does American Pie? Jen the whole time. Ugh, I don't like it. Ugh. <laughs> Make it stop. Oh god, I think we're getting near the end of this one. Um, ch- chapters one through ten. Um, we didn't get into a lot of it. We didn't get really get into. Um, did y'all think we're not going to end yet? Because okay. I'm not. Gonna- no. Um, I thought ja- it seemed like everyone was dying down, so I was allowing everyone. No, we were just All right, Jen, <laughs> waiting. Okay. I want to talk about Sirius. Okay. Did anybody think that Sirius took the news and the surprise a little bit, I don't know, better than I thought Sirius might have taken him? If I was Sirius, I would have been a little pissed. (laughs) Like, he. And then, like, it's all about the romantic between him and Althea, or Althea, or what is her name? Althea. And I'm like, but, okay, and and I have to, I am a little confused. Okay, because even, they bring it up, Remus is going to have custody of Harry. I mean, Remus, they stole him, but technically, Sirius is going to be his godfather. So Sirius is going to be Harry's legal guardian, and since Remus and... Um, Danger are married. Hermione has their parent. Their that's their. So it's two families living in one. Mm-hmm. But each of the two kids now has four parents. It, they keep saying it like it's not. It's kind of like Fred and Ethel. Punishes the kids. Like, go to your father. I am your father. No, like, it's kind of like a parliamentary system where. The, I'm not. Like, so, but it's no. like, you see in later chapters that Ramus is kind of ends up being the disciplinarian, and like the only time that you ever really ended up having to deal with Sirius is if you really messed up. <laughs> it's like it's almost like I hate to say, but it almost comes across like a polygamous sex at some point. Did they just well, take the families apart? I don't know. I don't. Understand. You have to. Well, it's it's more like these people because of their situations. It doesn't set out to be that way. Yeah, it doesn't set out. They don't set out to develop what will eventually come to be called the pack. You know, they don't set out to make it happen that way. It just, it kind of evolves out of necessity. I mean, the first time that they den, when they all sleep in together, is because they've just picked Harry up. And Mm -hmm. they decided that, you know, he has been through so much that they are going to be around him all the time because the Dursleys neglected him. Anytime they would have left him alone, we are going to be right there with him. Which is why they start sleeping in the in the den, why they all sleep in a big group together. 
Because, yes, because Harry needs, he needs that overemphasis on love, on support, on protection. You know, it's, it's similar to any time a kid is taken from an, a, a bad situation, an abusive family, anything like that. They have to kind of overdo it on, you know, tiptoeing around the kid. And it's because they need that, that child not to associate that with everything that's going to happen for the rest of their life. And so it yeah. does kind of set out to where it would be, you know, Remus and Danger and Hermione as one family and Sirius and Aletha and Harry as the other family. But it kind of, as a form of necessity, it kind of molds into something else. And that, I mean, if you've just read through the first 10 chapters, you don't really see that. But as you get more into the story, it's going to be more obvious how that kind of comes about. Yeah. You know, and it's also, it has to do with the fact that Danger and Remus both get jobs. They both work. And so Aletha can, you know, and Aletha has a job. So Sirius stays home with the kids a lot of the time. And so he, he takes on that role as caretaker during the day, you know, and then Sirius has these nightmares. He needs the same reassurance as Harry does for different reasons, obviously, but he needs that contact with people as well because he's just been in a position in a place where he's been alone yeah. for how long, you know, for however long he's been in there. And so it's the same logic. Okay. Well, he needs to be readjusted to being around people. So we're going to stay around him a lot. And as that, as it kind of grows into that, it, it does evolve into you know, where this, a lot of this, a lot like more of this stuff makes sense. Blanket, yeah. Really? Yeah, it is. It, well, it's like this family was broken and they're, they're fine. I mean, I love that the writing style. I think she writes backstory a lot without having to write it. You know, you feel a lot of what they're going through and it makes sense. I mean, it, you can't criticize that they're sleeping all in the same room or, you know, my sister would slept with my parents until she was, I don't know. <laughs> Way older than his norm, but I used you know. to do the same thing, and I frequently to this day wonder why I'm an only child. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> I never did. The older kid never did that. But it's been Amanda. That was the thing. Like Amanda and I would like. We used to have. Um, we would share a room, and we would sleep in the attic. In my bed and her bed, always had to be so close together that you could step. Without touching the floor, this is really important, from my bed to her bed. Because everybody knows that once the light's off, if your foot touches the floor, you know, while you're going to go over and talk to Amanda, a monster's going to grab you. Right. So, like, yeah. our beds would be, like, that close to each other. And, like, Amanda and I would sleep in the same bed a lot of times. Because, well, like, we and I had a queen bed until I was, like, 11 that we shared. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I don't know. That's how yeah. we were raised. Now, the one thing that really bothers me about Chapter 8 which is the big rescue chapter. It absolutely drives me crazy. Yeah. Where it, it gets into the thing where it's, it's jumping between everybody and it's yeah, like a lot of scene break. two yeah. lines and a break and then three lines and a break and then two lines and a break. And that absolutely drives me crazy. I mean, I understand the idea that she's trying to get across here, that this is a very disjointed time. Well, she's trying, she's to, trying like a- to cover all the bases and to yeah. tell what everybody's doing at the same time, instead of going through and telling one story and then saying, meanwhile, back at the car. It's like an episode of the 24 almost. 
Like, yeah. You know what it is? It's like the episode of 24 you always want to see where it's like, okay, it's CTU, Chloe looks constipated, and she discovered something about the nuke. Then you cut to Jack, and he's in the middle lane on the highway, and he's stuck in bumper-to-bumper traffic, and he's trying to switch lanes. And then you jump to the bad guys, and they're in the basement of the, of the building, and they're planning to set off the nuke, and they have a scene for a couple minutes. Then you cut back to Jack, and he's, like, waving his arm, like, thank you, because someone's finally letting him go. And then you jump yeah. to, you know, the, the, and then, like, by the end of the episode, Jack is like, I've moved 12 feet. You know, I'm a very important person. I need, like, <coughs> um, as I start choking. <coughs> okay. I'm okay. I just you need a drink. I just actually choked on water. But it's like, <laughs> one, it's like one of those moments. Did you know it's completely possible to drown in, like, two tablespoons of water? This is why I missed you so much. <laughs> I missed really you. Weird. I missed you. Because <laughs> you're that valuable information person. But um, it's... it's <laughs> actually, I just, I just took a, a test and we studied drowning at the end. Because, well, we studied near drowning. Because if you drown, you're dead. You don't come oh, back. Oh, no, if please don't talk about the fish stuff. Oh. What? No, that's not what I was going to say i was just gonna say okay. in terminology speak people say oh well he drowned at the pool but he's okay now well no see because if you drown you're dead and and you, <laughs> you don't come back from that and so yeah. we just learned all about drowning right at the end of the year nice. as we get near the end of the year we want to end off on something positive let's talk about drowning <laughs> well we also talked about sleep apnea that was exciting my dad has sleep apnea he has a, he machine. Have a CPAP machine yep and you're supposed to get off of it after a year, and he's been on it for five because he won't lose weight. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, but he's losing weight now because he has to because of the hip surgery. So he's lost like 50 pounds, so he's really doing it. That's exciting. I know. No, CPAP machines are pretty awesome inventions. They are, and they're loud, and they, man, yes. they get rid of snoring like nobody's business. <laughs> Oh, here's a little a little tidbit of information. If you have a bed partner that snores, something that's a quick fix that you can do to get them to stop. If they have position dependent snoring, like if they only snore when they're laying on a back on their backs, take a T-shirt that they wear to sleep and get a tennis ball and put it in a sock and pin it to the back of their shirt. <laughs> So that when they roll over onto their backs, it'll be uncomfortable and they'll keep going. Oh, and it'll keep, it'll keep them from snoring. I was imagining you, like, st- saying and stuff it in their mouth. and <laughs> No. no. Pour water down Don't their mouth until they drown. <laughs> Don't Just the two teaspoons. <laughs> Jen comes on the yeah. podcast next week. Rita, my husband is dead. Did I, re- did I hear you correctly? Did I do it right? <laughs> oh, you take... You don't you don't choke them with the tennis ball. You pin it to the back of a of a I'm shirt that they like sleep. Can I just tell you, like I'm getting used to the whole living with a girl thing. As you can tell, <laughs> oh Huggles, Huggles has been very upset for the past few weeks. Someone made Huggles angry, and what happens is I get over it, and then their name comes up in conversation. And- and Huggles gets angry all, yeah. all oh, over again. Are you being the jealous boyfriend? Oh, no, no, no. It, oh. it's, it's actually someone who is mean to my mother. And oh. I am the type of person that I am not, you know, someone who will walk up and punch you. But what that Oh, is do, it the TV guy? It is, the t- it is actually the TV guy, yes. Oh, and my God. What I actually, as you may recall, I was so angry at someone that I... I donated, um, a t- I had an old television in my bedroom and I bought a better one so I gave this man who I will not you know, use adjectives to describe as, you know, I don't want to offend most we people. We shall just refer to him as the TV man. As the TV man. I, um, I was actually going to go to his apartment and take the TV back and walk out of his condo building and throw the TV in the dumpster next to his car and then leave. Just so he could But I've have decided it. what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to order uh, gay porn and I'm going to <laughs> ship it 
to his name, but the old lady in the gossipy old lady in the apartment above him. So she has to bring his mail down to him. And I also want to send him some type of um, penis cream, like the Steve Martin. <laughs> but I'm, I'm working on that now. But um, Huggles gets See, well, no, the problem with that like is that that? Kind of most of that stuff, though, most of that stuff comes in like plain unmarked boxes. It no, does. I'll ship it. It's illegal to ship. No, I will ship it to me, but I will do something where um, the person will open. <laughs> I'll find a way to do it. Trust me, Brenda. I'm working on this. I think your uh, your first idea was better. My first idea? Okay, well, I'm working. I on. think you should. I'll help you. We can come up with a better idea than gay porn. Like, yeah. we should send him a male prank fix or something. <laughs> Get him a blow up doll. Maybe I should. Maybe the blow I don't know. You know what I'll do? I'll. Br- okay. I'll, well, so anyway, 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 anyway. Getting so back to I the was, story. Oh, good try, Renna. So anyway, I had a dream the other day. That I ran, dream. I dream. I, I ran. I ran into TV guy at the supermarket. Was my dream. So I'm laying in bed. It's three thirty in the morning. I'm dreaming about running into. How do you know it's three thirty in the morning if you're asleep? Because I went and I like threw my arms out like I was hitting him, and I whacked Danielle, and I whacked Danielle in the face. <laughs> and, I, and I instantly knew I did it. So what I did was I leaned back and closed my eyes and tried not to move. So Danielle did the, whoa, what's wrong? And she jumps up and she's looking around and I'm sleeping there next to her peaceful as a small child or so she thought. And I was afraid to okay, move. Okay, except like now it's on the podcast. So she's going to hear all about I it. Brenna, she, no, listen, she, Brenna, listen. she listens less than you do. She listens less than you do. And I confessed the next day because I'm a Hufflepuff. But anyway, so that was... Was that, that's how it's going with me. But anyway, back to the fact. Back to the okay, story. Talk about stuff that we liked because we've been kind of like for a while. We've been saying, "Well, this has kind of been unbelievable." Well, but this, and this but to be fair, she, this has been the introduction chapter. I mean, this is kind that's of like true. this is kind of a lot. And yeah, we're trying a- to get everybody together, and and the, and the kids are babies still, and we inter- we got some new. O- I mean, we have some OC characters that we can obviously talk about. Like, I like that Althea is a music person, and she sing songs that are that I know and I sing along as I read them. Madam Bones <laughs> is on to her. I'm sorry, but here's the yeah, thing. She's, you work yeah. in the magical law enforcement office. You're an MLES, okay? Okay, wait, sorry. M-L-E-S. Quick inter- quick interruption. Yes. I think it's Aletha, not Althea. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm giving it cheese. Well, you think if is I heard really? it pronounced, I would get it. I always say it wrong. I, well, think first, I, I think thought it's it was A-L-E. A L E T H A, Aletha. Aletha, okay. And then I not, imagine- Are- not Aretha Franklin is is. Oh, I know okay. she's right. It's Aletha. Aletha. So my because my- they call her Aletha for short. So yeah. My issue with it was that okay, your ex boyfriend, the serial killer, has gotten out of jail, and now you you seem nervous at work. So your boss says, "Do you need me to send you home with a cop?" And you're like, "No, no, I'm sure everything will be fine." He never knew where I lived. She stares at you for like 30 seconds and says, why don't you take the rest of the week off? And you're like, oh, goody, a four-day weekend. Don't you think the cop is going to follow you around? Like, that was the first thing I thought. Maybe it won't. Maybe it's, I'm reading. I just thought it was a very naive of her. Like, I think that could have been handled a little bit better. But what happens when she really, like, disappears? Like, hmm, she was nervous at work the day that we found out that Sirius was gone. And and we sent her home and we never saw her again. (laughs) I guess they see her again. Yeah, it's. Oh, they do. Oh, never mind. Yeah. I'm sorry. She goes back to work. She goes back to work. But also, at the same time, you know, being nervous, excited, and nervous, nervous can be very similar in appearance. 
true. Mm-hmm. And so it could be that, you know, she hears about this, and I think the first thing is they say it, and she drops something because right. she's doing it because she's excited. But it's just as possible if you're looking at someone, you could think, oh, I guess, you know, they're, they're just on edge about everything that's going on. We know this person was close to him, but I don't think necessarily it would occur to them, oh, that they need to follow her home because really he, she's saying, well, we could spare an aura to escort you home, but really they really can't because they need to send everybody out to look for this guy. Right. I love when when you know Sirius is laying in in, in his cell at Azkaban. And I love the description of it. It doesn't suck the memory out of you in that you forget things, but you lose the texture of the moments. He couldn't remember what the lethal looked like. He couldn't remember you know the, the nuances of, of of the particular memories. So that when he saw her again, it was he he had forgotten what she looked like. He he forgot all of the smaller moments you know of, of what made her her. And I, I thought that was a great way of describing the mentors. They literally pull you know, the details from you in, in the parts that you really cling to. But I love the part where he's trying to figure out what to do because it, it seems like Remus, but it can't be Remus. And, uh, and his exact response is, well, you know, this is the most interesting thing that's happened in like six months. I might as well just go for it because without, yeah. like, I'm, I'm pretty bored otherwise. So I might as well just see what happens. I thought that was a great moment. I'm either crazy or I'm dying. So, you know, what will, will help. Yeah, that's thought, that's kind of how what I took away from it. Yeah, he's like, you know what? It, it's either this or lay at the wall and stare at the ceiling tiles for another week. So let's just go with it. But wouldn't everyone think of the character of Sirius? Because the thing I would have thought is, wouldn't you feel some type of residual anger at people if everybody? Like, I understand Pettigrew did a really good job, but everyone in your life betrayed you and said, "I hope you die a painful death," because mm. everyone lost faith in you. And it's pretty much. I don't know. I think you, maybe it's coming, but I, I would think you'd have to deal with that. It is coming. It is coming. Okay. He will deal with it. Not in as much detail as I think really kind of warrants it, but he does deal with it. It's just at this point, and it even acknowledges that uh, when he does deal with it, that for the first while that he was out and this was going on, he's just riding on the high of the escape and of, of finding Harry again and of being reunited with people. And it hasn't, you know, he hasn't hit that place where he's going to crash yet. And he does hit it eventually. And I mean, that will be in the next section. Okay. That, um, no, I'm really that he looking does forward hit to that. that. Okay, I'm looking or, forward to so that. So that will come. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of him and Aletha because the, the the one thing about it is is like what you guys were talking about earlier when you get to the um when you get to like the poems or the songs you kind of skim over. I was really skimming over you know, you know the, the 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 moment where he reunites with Aletha because she's an OC. We don't know her, and I didn't really feel grounded in their relationship. I knew that she was working for the order and she felt betrayed by him. And she gave an interview where she said she hoped he died. And she felt really bad about that when she found out he was not guilty. And she's very happy to see him. And she wore a red dress. I didn't feel emotionally connected to it. And I felt like it was one of those. I I, I love you. I love you too. I miss you. I miss you. It didn't really drag me in very much. So I'm really looking forward to me, to future chapters, seeing what happens with the two of them, because I just I wasn't feeling it so far. But like, yeah, it's, it's the first round of chapters. I'll put it this way: I I felt much more of a connection between uh, between Danger and Remus than I did between Sirius and Aletha, and which is I mean they were in one scene together, which is normal. But I just didn't yeah, have- and and at this point in the story, they haven't had a chance to bond again. All that's happening is, I mean, you know, really. All that happens is they run into each other and, and they 
kiss for a little while and then they go eat food. Yeah. And and so I mean, they don't have a chance to really talk things out, and they do they do get to that eventually. Yeah. So good. I'm excited that, to read, and it's yeah. it's an easy flow read. It's not one of those reads yes. that you're like, uh, uh, uh. yeah. Well, I mean, well said, Jen. Like, <laughs> It, it's Sorry, the story. The story works very well together, start to finish. And I, I will say that um, since we're at the end of chapter ten now, the I actually have a printed copy of the story that I printed off, and it includes some extra stuff that wasn't on the website. That was um, additional stories and little bits and pieces that come in from different things. But I just have to say this because. I think it's pretty funny. There's one part in the story where Aletha talks about, um, she's thinking about stories that were written by an author that everyone loves. And she's sitting there and she's rewriting them in her head to make the situations differently. And she laughs and she thinks it would be so great if she had a place to go and share these stories with others. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, you know, it's 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 the little little shout out to the fandom, yeah. you know. <laughs> it was it was one of the funnier little extra moments that are in the printed copy that um that I have, that is very bad for the environment because seriously, it's 517 pages. Oh wow! And that this is just the first one. I have all of them. I do, I don't have facing danger yet because it's not finished, but um the dealing with danger, the third story is uh, over 900 pages, front and back, front and back. Wow. That is awesome. I've never been anything that long in my it's, entire life. It's well, epic. We're gonna. <laughs> That's cool. That's all I have for the first 10 chapters. Yeah, I think, I think, I think we were expecting, or at least I was expecting before I, before I read you, them to. Because Jen was like, this not going to be good. No, I, I was expecting to, to be very disappointed because the author herself, like, wrote me and said, you're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> See, evidently is just overly modest. No, it's, it's literally, it's like the thing you do in politics. You always, like, say, I'm going to suck at this. So then when you do marginally okay, oh, everyone says, hey, look, you did a great job. It's, it's, it's beating expectations. I think the first 10 chapters really beat expectations. I think that the kids were, were great characters, extremely well written. I think the plot moved very briskly, and I think after the end of chapter 10, this is the plot, this is the story, this is the direction it's going. I think that it got there very quickly. Uh, I, I don't think it got there very realistically, which is fine, because I don't think it meant to from the way it's written, although it did cost some of the um, you know, the emotional you know, meat of the story was lost a little bit because it rushed from A to B to C to D to E. Like, it just it flew through the story. There were great moments. I love the Petunia uh, danger moments. I love the fact that it's the Granger slot at the door. I thought that was great. With And the one thing I do love about her Petunia is she's like an evil version of Molly Weasley because everything is, oh, thank you, dear. Why don't you come in, dear? It sounds like Molly, but it's like evil Molly. It's like Molly with like the black line under her eyes so that the audience knows that she's evil Molly. 
And the last thing I want to say is that Anne mentions in one of the author notes that this she actually sees the story like a movie in her head, and she just writes down what the characters say. There are many scenes that I could actually picture being filmed, um, especially the uh, the last moments where everyone's waiting to see what happens with Remus and Sirius and the escape from Azkaban. As you actually get the, um, as you actually. It's written that way. It's written like the episode of the 24, where you cut back and you cut forth. And it's awkward for a written story. I want to get into 24. But (laughs) it's a good show. Good show. (laughs) But it it, it does come across as like you're reading like a script almost, which fine. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I have to tell you, I was really nervous about this. I've been nervous about all of these because I don't read these before. So it's awful if I hate the story because then for four weeks. I'm like, this is a wonderful story. Did I ever tell you that story about my childhood? Because will you say, but I do that anyway, but I actually do love the story, but I, I, I'm really looking forward to next week. I have no idea what we're reading because we lost our notes. So we're not sure what we're reading yet and we can't find them. I know. And, and then you acted like I was stupid. (laughs) I didn't know where we were and I couldn't find the story and dad gummit. Dad gummit? That was very Texan of you, Jen. Dad Was it really? Dad gummit. I guess that's what we say. God darn it. People like me. All right. So with that. Read ahead. Are we closing up? I think we're. I think we're closing up. Are we not closing up? Yeah, I think. I think so. we're closing up. <laughs> I'm gonna go home. As, All right, we're as we're closing up. We yeah. do. Can I read just the one part that I loved, and um, then I've been wanting to read it all. Read podcast. it with emotion, okay? Though, don't just read it straight. Yes. Oh, okay. Fine. Okay. This is a dramatic reinterpretation of Jen and I's. Well, I think I assume it would be Jen's favorite part too. Okay. Here we go. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> His tummy hurt. His head hurt, too, and his arms were deadly punched him. But his tummy, more than anything, and his head felt funny, all kind of swirly, like he felt after danger twirled him around and around. He whimpered a little, thinking of danger. He wanted her. He wanted her to come back to the door and smile at him and pick him up and hold him close. Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon never held him like that. Why didn't danger come? Why didn't she love him anymore? They took him to another old lady now, an old lady who smelled funny, and she gave him good stuff to eat like Danger had, but she never cuddled him the way that Danger did. And she never played scary wolf chase like Mooney or sang to him like Etha. His nappy was all wet and messy. It hurt, but he couldn't get it off. And it was dark. It had been dark for a long time. He had been alone for a long time. Oh. <laughs> That's so sad. That is. I mean, and I was thinking in the beginning it was weird to read something from a two-year-old's perspective. Well, I thought that as of, like, the second sentence. I'm like, ooh, this is new. And I was was reading it like this, you know, I wonder how this will go. And it was, you know, it's dark. It's been dark for a long time. And it it was. It was incredibly emotional. So, like, there there were moments, definitely during these chapters, that, She's just such an amazing job of capturing what it's like to be a two-year-old Harry. And yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to what's to come. Right. Me too. Let's go record the next one now. Okay. I'm going to bed. All right. <laughs> We're all like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We can do that next week. We can do that next week. So with that, uh, see you next week. Everyone read ahead. We'll post the chapters on our website. And have a great night. Bye. Good night. I just wave goodbye.
And now, a word from our peons. I don't know if I didn't want to tell this story. This is the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me. Nobody is going to let me live this down, especially Ryan. Kill it. <laughs> I had the worst week of my life last week, so I decided I'll go home this weekend. On my way back, there's all this construction in Pennsylvania. I don't know what happened. I kept going on, I think it was 81, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, this doesn't seem familiar. I look at the map. I have the GPS thing. Nobody's going to let me live this down because I managed to get lost with GPS, but the next biggest city is Montreal. So- Montreal? What? <laughs> so I, like, went all the way up New York without even realizing it. You were in my neighborhood. Isn't that, like, several hours? It yes. is. I've got my map out. Oh, You're in Pennsylvania. Yeah, 81 goes to Montreal. <laughs> I hope you're bowing up on your French. So, so I, you're in Pennsylvania, like near where Mac lives. I don't know where I And am. you got on 81, which goes through New York. Right by me. I almost visited Mike by accident. I probably almost visited Mac by accident, too. Mike is not on my map. I'm from New York City, but currently he's I'm green. up He's on Florida. What? What? <laughs> not supposed to be on Florida. What? Where do I put that? What do you mean on Florida? He wasn't on Florida when I sent him to you. Well, somebody yeah, we moved. T- are we talking about me or are we talking about a different mic here? No, I'm There's talking about you. Mic. Your green arrow. Where do you live? What green arrow? He doesn't know anything about the map. I've got a Marauder's map? map of Pouffois and everyone's on it. The only person in New York is Wayne. Wait a minute, how could Mike not know about the map? I don't know about He doesn't the ma- pay attention to anything. Someone put me in Where's Florida. This, are you in the Florida. city of New York or the state of New York? Currently, I'm in upstate New York. So I'm going to stick you at Watertown just because you won't tell me exactly where you Rochester. are. Rochester. Oh, Rochester. <laughs> Rochester. Rochester. Yeah, I went by Rochester. Oh, oh, oh. Thanks for Rochester. Rochester. You're near Lake Ontario. Put my daughter in New York City, please. I, I don't like know it. where New York City is, man. <laughs> I'm Australian. It's on the coast, Kessa. Oh, yeah, but so is Rochester. Oh, put me in New York City, please. I'm trying, I'm trying. Is. is it near New Jersey? Yeah. It's the very Oh, there it is. It's a big fat thing and it's got... <laughs> it's got a big fat word that says New York under Danielle. I'll just move Danielle. And oh, Long Island, I know. I've heard of that place. But I'm not there. Long Island. I'm New York City. No, I'm put you, sticking you to the big fat New York. Very good. Now that we've updated the map, <laughs> what is this map exactly? I never heard of this thing. Gee whiz. All right, let me find you the thread. Don't you know about my map? So far behind the times. For the love of Merlin and all this good, you are heavy. What, what forum? Get I it don't together, read, man. I only read like 10 forums. I had a parcel and I went on the podcast and I went, oh, wow. I've got a map! Remember that? <laughs> Wait, when you had a what? I've got a map. Oh, my God. Forget it. Forget it. See, you know why I never saw this? Because I don't go into Muggle London. I'm not a Muggle. I'm a witch. (laughs) (laughs) Mike is a witch. (laughs) No no wonder he doesn't understand impregs. I'm a witch. (laughs) You people are all confusing me. Anyway, I don't visit Muggle London because I'm a wizard. You're still supposed to be the head boy. Not of a Muggle London school, though. I'm going to have to second guess your appointment. I'm telling you. Mike? Yeah. You know those little thingies at the top of the page that say your last post? No. Show unread posts. Oh. (laughs) 
Dear. Wait, what, what is this? You mean like every post you haven't read? Page, it says, up? when you go to the forum, at the very top, there are two links. Where? It's Let's a show online help post. Uh, visit people. or show new replies to your posts. Yeah. Where? I never just go to the forum and just start randomly clicking places. How else can you do it? Have you been I mean, to Puffle before? I just put the link in the chat. You click on yeah, it. Yeah, I, I go into the actual forums. I don't go into these weird secret show post places. I go into real oh. forums, not like hidden threads or whatever. The- That's okay. I, I read the staff rooms. I read the Slytherin rooms. I read the Quidditch pitch. I read the recommendation one. The um, <laughs> I read I read like like eight or ten of them. I figure that's enough. I, you guys all read every single post that comes onto this forum, without exception. You can't tell me that. I do. Well, I read a lot. I'm not I sure if I can deal with this head boyishness right now. I'm about to like slit my Show own me. throat. Either that, or I'm about to go throat? get a dull spoon from my kitchen and like gouge out my own intestines. <laughs> Every time I talk to Jen, I get the feeling she wants to like stab me with a butter knife. So <laughs> 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 I don't really want to. I don't really want to stab you with a butter knife. <laughs> I just, need to, I just need to understand. Like every time she helps me with something, I get this idea like she just wants to like reach through and strangle me. But that's all right, and that's why I like you. I do love you kind of like, you know, furry puppies. And Sometimes you have to drown those little puppies, though. <laughs> Cute ducks. You're awful! Back to episode ten of Peon Cast. Today we are doing a fic by Plaid Slytherin or PS called uh, Horace Slughorn and the Cauldron of Secrets. And we have a surprise guest tonight too. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Michael. I'm Keza. And I'm Richard One. <laughs> and I'm PS. And I guess surprise! I'm a surprise guest, even though I'm not really a surprise. <laughs> I'm surprised that you're here. What do you guys all think of this fic? Let's go. Let's go around and get. Since I'm right. the first, I'm gonna go first. <laughs> fic, well, well, the fic was actually remarkably good considering the subject matter. <laughs> um, hold on, don't don't scoff. I, I am not one for flashy fics, but I was remarkably and well, I I liked it at the end. I enjoyed the story. It had a uh, I don't know how to pronounce the uh, <laughs> the other guy's name. Oh my god, me neither. Can we have a quick French lesson? <laughs> I, I like to say Leonide because it sounds like a poison, and that's just cool. But I was know. saying Leonid. Can we say Leonida. it my way because I wrote it? No. What makes you think the author gets to make these choices? Me. We need Amelia. We need Amelia to send us a sound file. Send a voicemail, Amelia. Tu pourquoi? <laughs> there's no A in it. Leonida, Richard. That's wrong. But right. that's how you pronounce French words? Leonida. I think she told me how to pronounce it, and I think I said it. I think I'm saying it the way she told me to. Well, you know, because Amelia should send send a voicemail to Puffa for us. Yes. So, and, and tell anyway, us and confirm and confirm. Okay. That I've been saying it right. What I liked about it anyway was I like how P.S. kind of cleverly like obviously this fix not only takes place. I don't know how many years in the past. P.S. Fifty or sixty. It is 1920. Wow, horse is old. 
So, you know, it takes place seven years in the past. So, obviously, this is, you know, pre-Tom Riddle, pre-Grindelwald, pre-everything like, we know. But yet, at the same time, PS still incorporates canon into it. And there's these little things. Like, I look right at the beginning where it's talking about how unlucky he is. And I think PS can tell me if I'm wrong here. But immediately what pops into my mind with this story is that, oh, this must... I wonder if this is the time where he takes... What he refers in book six to himself taking Felix... Felix Felicis. That, I, I, that's what immediately pops into my mind, anyway. Yeah. That, that's kind of the point of the story. You know, like, it's not, even though it's 70 years in the past, it's still referring back to the books we know. But he said he took it Right, twice. once when he was, I can't once remember. Once when he was 24, and once when he was 57. That's what I was trying to do. Because when you do, when you write past book, I kind of figure, if you refer back to the canon, it's just make people go, oh, you know, see a connection there, and it just becomes... I really like it in stories when that happens, because I was going to say that the bit I liked was when he's got that bottle of the Felix... And I like it. He he had ordered it from Hector Dagworth Granger, who owed him a favor. And that line is so cool because I mean, it's got the word Granger in it, and it's like, oh, is that one of Hermione's ancestors who owed him a favor? Well, that's the Granger he refers to. He's which just he's from the book. really in character, and it, then it talks about that it's the Felix potion, and so that's like that stuff from Half Blood Prince. So I think that is just so cleverly crafted and really well thought out. And I couldn't do that. I take my hat off to PS. For that. So obviously, I think as everyone who probably who listens to this podcast knows you you're obsessed with Slughorn. You love Slughorn. He's the theme of this. You basically created the Slughorn genre, I think, right? You were pretty much like final world word in Slughorn. So I don't know. I was just curious if you, if there was a story behind where your interest in Slughorn came from or why you were interested in it. Like what, what is it about him that you find so fascinating that he's in all of your stories? Well, it's one of those deals where I tend to fixate on pretty random characters. And I think this is true for lots of different things. And I can't really pinpoint why. I just thought he was really interesting. He He's the type of character I tend to like, and I think I like him because a lot of people ignore him. A lot of people forget he exists. Mm. I don't like it when that happens to people, and so I really wanted to flesh him out, and I wanted to, to tell his story more just because, to me, he was one of the most I mean, he, I think he's the most interesting character, but just I just remember reading Half-Blood Prince and thinking, well, this guy is so awesome, this guy is so interesting, the whole fandom is going to go nuts over him, there's going to be so much fic written about him, it's going to be amazing, it's going to be awesome, and then it didn't happen, and I, I was surprised, and I was upset, and so I decided, well, I'm just going to have to do it myself, and so that's what I've been doing. I've been single-handedly populating the fandom with... Slughorn fic of dubious quality. This is more of a general question in terms of, I guess, what's your writing process? Is there like a certain way you go about planning these stories? Like where do the ideas come from and how do you put them? Like are you one of those people that plots it out, you know, every detail far in advance or to just hit you like a thunderbolt one day or I don't know? Um, I think it, well, definitely it depends on the story. This did hit me like a thunderbolt and I did get it out and I ha- I know I had some some issues that I have to talk ideas out with people. I know I talked a lot of this out with Richard. I can- <laughs> I tend to plot it out and then I talk over the issues I have with people. Like I'll be like, well like is this dumb? Does this make sense? And then I'll write. So and also what happens I'll do a lot with 
like I said, like this is kind of different because it's a one shot, but I know there's a tendency of me to plan ahead. I will like write the last page first. I mean, I'll write things out of order as they hit me. Like I'll be like, oh, I know this is an awesome scene that definitely is going to happen way in the end of the story, and I'll write it out now. And then when I get to it, maybe I won't like it anymore, but at least it's written, and I feel like I have at least accomplished something. You know what I liked about this fic? We've been talking about romance lately on Peoncast and what it means. And I think this is quite a romantic fic. Now, I'm not the one for Slash, generally speaking. I just, it's very sort of understated and the way he just sort of notices the little things. Violence the wrong word. That's not the, you know, feverish. It's not rushed or feverish or anything. It's just sort of gentle and sweet. And I really liked that because, I mean, I've come across the odd slash fic which I've usually backed away from pretty hurriedly but see I like shoebox as well because it's not the main focus of the story is that they want to get each other's clothes off and so to me it's kind of like those sort of fics often do I think a disservice to the genre well it's not really a genre because too many people write porn slash and that's most of what I come across and it seems rare to get slash fics where the feelings Mm -hmm. are really looked at it's all about them wanting to you know get their hands on each other and and you only sort of see that the sort of the tender gentle stuff in in het fix i think in some ways that mirrors the world though i'm going to get really deep and philosophical now that sort of mirrors the world because people often go you know talk about homosexuality and and they don't focus they focus too much on the sex act rather than on the fact that the people actually love each other and to me whether you agree you know because it's still a real gray area whether you agree that homosexuality is a good bad, evil thing, whatever, you really have to remember that there are people behind those feelings. And I think that that's one of the things I really liked about this fic, that it's the people behind the feelings. It's not about them trying to rip each other's clothes off. So that's what I appreciated about this one. I think your Slughorn's a very real character. I think, too, a lot of times in fan fiction, the characters tend to be almost too perfect, or even when, or when they're not perfect, it's that they're not perfect in kind of like these cliche ways. I don't know if I'm explaining that well. Whereas I don't know mm-hmm, your yeah. characters, maybe because they are, maybe because they're they're you get them making three dimensional. They're not as three dimensional. Can I, I don't know why, but they're just they seem more human. I, I enjoy making him fail. <laughs> <laughs> I love him, but I I do I do so enjoy making him fail. I think that's part of his character, isn't it? For Horace to fail. Because I think there are some people that through their own Probably. actions or whatever, failing seems to sort of follow them around. And and I think that he, in some ways, he, he's the sort of character, he's the sort of person that doesn't really look too far ahead a lot of the time. That he's sort of, you know, he looks to other people and, and the reason that he hangs out with them is because mm-hmm. of what they can do for him sort of thing. He just doesn't strike me like... In contrast, he's a contrast to Dumbledore in a lot of ways. Dumbledore really looks to see what's going to happen, tries to look at the big picture, and if he does this, what will happen here, and if he does that, you know, whether or not he gets it right is debatable, but that's his his way he works. Whereas Horace Slughorn, to me, seems to be, he's like, okay, what is going to impact on me? Like, when he doesn't want to tell Harry about the thing, and then he adjusts his memory so that he doesn't look bad because it's going to affect him. He doesn't look at the bigger picture of why Harry might need it or what Tom Riddle may have done with that information or anything like that. Do you see what I mean? I half agree with you. Why only half? I think that, well, I, I think you're right I in terms that he doesn't look at the bigger picture. I don't think he's quite as selfish. Oh, I don't think he's selfish. It out. It's Maybe not that he's selfish, like, think... that he's, he just doesn't see past himself, and that doesn't make, make people selfish. 
Like, I don't think it's that he doesn't want to look bad so much as he's just panicked over it, almost. And he's not thinking the long-term consequences. I agree with you. Like, he's, you know, why does he tell Tom Riddle? Why doesn't he tell well, Harry? He he's doesn't want Harry and Dumbledore today, to think badly of him. He doesn't want next. them to think that he's caused it. He realizes that he's made a mistake or that sort of thing. He values other people's opinions of him. Yeah, he values other I mean, people's that's what opinions. It is. It's not so much... It's kind of like he is trying to seem good, but I think it's more yeah. like... He wants the people that he cares he about. He wants to make to a good impression. Him good. And I don't think that kind makes of, him a it's, bad It's kind person. of the same, but it's kind of different at the same time. It just means that he operates he, yeah. differently. It doesn't oh, make him a bad, a bad person. person. It just means he operates differently to people that are looking at a bigger picture. Because, like, I compared him to Dumbledore, for example. And Dumbledore, I mean, yeah. he, he makes decisions based very much on the, well, I mean, the whole the greater good thing. Whether or not he does that successfully is up for debate, but his motives behind it are... Uh, that things that will be good for everybody. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I think the other difference too is that cause, I mean they're they're both people who have these large networks, but I think the difference is in Dumbledore's case he's in the driver's seat, whereas Slughorn I feel what is the word they use in Canada? He's like in the back, <laughs> stretched out kind of. Because Dumbledore he, when he forms these networks, he's actually the active leader, like he's making the decisions, whereas Slughorn kind of wants to be more. The advisor. He, I don't think he likes to be the center of attention so much. I was wondering too, Richard, if you were so involved. Cause I didn't yeah. know that you were so involved in helping plan the story. What I don't know. Do you have any particular insights then, or like what was that like? <laughs> but until PS mentioned it, I hadn't known you were so involved in. I don't know, planning or betaing or. So I was just curious if you had any insight watching it take shape. I think just talked well, out some of the ideas with him. Well, I think it mostly. She had some interesting questions about how to do certain parts of certain scenes. I mean, it wasn't like, you should do this with this character. Okay, because, you know, I can't get my mindset around the male thing. I can't write that. I don't have the, those necessary skills. But he certain... is a male, so he could give me. I th- it was just in, you know insight into the male mind, really. Part of it was yeah, mostly. And <laughs> what yeah. do men want? I, mean, <laughs> I needed a man to tell me what men think. <laughs> Sorry, I just thought of that. Uh, let's not go there. This, this is not a restriction. <laughs> one of three things, actually. I was just gonna just gonna say. I remember. I remember. I named this the random student Richard, Richard because he helped me. <laughs> That's right. What was his name? Richard. His name was, was Richard. Yes. I have been immortalized. You have been. So anyway, what were you going to say, Mike? Anyway, P.S., I got a question for you. What advice would, as, as a now published writer who is the leader of her own genre, <laughs> what advice would you give all the would-be writers on our board? I am the not leader, the leader of my leader own of the genre. genre. That's you, P.S. But... You are captain of the ship. <laughs> Master of your fate. I'm quoting a famous right. poem, actually. But anyway. A little bit, but yeah, she is. Yes. Uh... So anyway, what, what advice would you give to all our would-be writers? <laughs> I don't know. Write good. Don't publish <laughs> if it's not good. Because there's a lot so of crap So your advice is don't publish if it's not good. Uh. But, but, you know, I... Sucks, don't show it to anybody. Yeah, really get a beta. But what happens if you think your story's really, really grand? Like, you know, that... Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Do we, do we have anything else to say? Because I want to go off topic. 
I really enjoyed it because yeah, I liked I the way it was all tender. <laughs> And I think oh. it shows a really cool side of, of, you know, slash fix. and Because I don't think that there necessarily needs to be that division necessarily, but I think a lot of people get turned off. Like Richard was saying, the uh, first one is read on purpose. People get turned off because too many people make slash about the porn. That's the same way it is in real life when too many, too many people make homosexual issues about the sex. And I don't think it needs to be because there are real people that have real feelings and it's not all about the sex. Like heterosexual people don't constantly go around talking and thinking and writing about the sex. So why does that happen for Slash? I think it's good from that aspect. The PS has really sort of captured how how these people are feeling. PS, any last comments? Okay. Hey, everybody. (laughs) I, I liked writing it. It was fun. It was the first thing I ever wrote that was romantic. Is there something you would like us to take away from it as readers? I wanted people to see Horace as a a young man who had problems and failings and issues and had been in love and that kind of thing because I feel like I wanted people to see him as a person. (laughs) So do I. No, she did an excellent job. She So anyway, next week we're doing a fic called A Christmas Like No Other. It's by Melinda Leo. And there'll be a special guest on the podcast next week. So stay tuned.